I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes. Like a doll's eyes. I love this town! And we're back for part two of our best and worst of 2021. And uh, hopefully... Yeah, I'm hoping you came back. Uh, so, Jason, Jennifer, thank you. <laughs> uh, and anyone else. Um, so, we just went over, you know, numbers four through ten. And now we're going to jump over to some of our least favorite movies of the year. Uh, I know a lot of people are eschewing those from theirs, so they feel bad about it, but we don't. So, we're going <laughs> um, so to talk about... Talk about those. Uh, so we're instead of doing a full ten, we're doing we're doing three, mm-hmm. our bottom three, uh, which is always fun because we always have completely different ones. because we all see different things. Like I try and balance out. You know, I said most of the stuff I saw this year was was really good. I do try and look at the bottom of Metacritic and, and see the worst of every year too. You know, podcast about that. Oh yeah, I, would, I haven't done that in a little while. But yeah, if you want to check out um, myself and other groups of people talking about the worst movie any particular year, because we used to choose one randomly. Of uh, the year random, randomly, so we wouldn't be just doing the same same bad movies that everyone else did. We always do what literally was the mo- worst ranked movie of the year. Uh, check out the worst movie of the year. <laughs> um, I haven't done anything for that since you know we stopped doing these as well. Um, so maybe we'll come back. Uh, since 2020 had a new bottom one after we did uh, last Days of American Crime. Um, mm. There was actually one that beat it out that I watched about a couple weeks ago. I love Wedding and Other Disasters, which is awful. Um, oh, wow. But uh, So I do try and watch a lot of bad movies, so my bad movies might be worse movies. <laughs> yeah, are we doing the same thing if somebody's worse movies higher? Yeah, we'll okay. hold off. Uh, but I'm also going to give the option of doing the honorable mentions before our bottom three instead of instead of before the last one um, of how many you want I'm just going to list uh, if you want to we're going to do these with uh, you can say the title and say some, say a couple words before moving on so I'm going to do that with mine and I'll start this one um, number, number 10 worst was Death Valley a wannabe Resident Evil that takes place in Serbia or something like that and it was awful um, old in Mike Chalman's new movie oh it's higher up my list okay so we'll talk about that in a minute or lower down your list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As uh, the case may be. Demonic is Neil Blomkamp's new movie, and it looks, uh, it's absolutely amateur in every way, which makes you feel that whoever's producing his first couple movies, which were kind of hit or miss anyway, uh, was more of the pushier. Uh, Ted Bundy's American, Bo- Ted Bundy, American oh! Boogeyman. Uh, from the same guy who made uh, from Daniel Ferens, who wrote Halloween Six. Oh no! But, but made but made uh, Sharon Tate and oh, uh, the Nicole Brown Simpson one. He made that. He also made an Ian Warner's one. I didn't see this year. Uh, that's this. Uh, Vanquish is a wannabe. Is uh, Ruby Rose? Is always awful. Um, in a. Yeah, she's it, she's bad inside and out, yeah. man. Yeah, in, in a wannabe, in a wannabe cool hitman movie. Um, that's that not as funny as you think. Yes, Morgan Freeman essentially playing Bruce Willis. Uh, the Reckoning is um, Neil Marshall's new movie, which I thought, which is even worse than Hellboy. I didn't watch that because of what you said. Yeah, about it, it. it's 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 about witches in the they're in the plague area. About uh, but everyone looks so pretty that could be definitely out of it. Uh, Bad Candy is a trick-or-treat ripoff that doesn't work in any way. And that's what leads us to our number... My number three worst of the year is The Virtuoso. Anyone? 
No, no, no. Okay. no. Uh, this Records. is also a wannabe uh, cool hitman movie because mm. they're always awful. It's also like so polar. Or I didn't like Bad Times at El, El, El Royale, though that isn't a bad, bad, bad movie like this one. Uh, it says Anson Mount playing a uh, killer who's sent by, for some reason at all, Anthony, Anthony Hopkins, um, sends him to this remote era where he's supposed to. So he's supposed to kill this one person, but he's not saying who it is. Uh, and so, but he also knows that he's being set up to be killed. Um, and it's full of, you know, uh, the writing is like, or how smart and weird I am with this, and how, how cool all these characters are, but they're all as dumb and has a bad twist. Um, and the, this is the thing that really makes it, puts us so far down. The entire thing is narrated by Anson Mount in the second person. <laughs> you take the choice to walk through the door. You look at everyone in the room and you and you bring them all in, but he's oh. so... But it's done... You think, okay, it's a way to set it up, but it does it for the entire oh, runtime. No. It never stops. The entire time, it never stops. And it gets... I was like, oh my God, how worse can this be? Uh, and it, yeah, <laughs> the look on Kim's face is... <laughs> so, I, so if uh, you want to watch a really bad movie for recommend... Uh, do I want to watch you this? Don't I watch, feel like I do, watch, but I If don't. you find for free, watch 20 minutes to kind of get that feel okay. and turn it off. Yeah. Uh, but also has, like, yeah, the twist is noticeable from the very, very beginning. Uh, it's just so you sit back awfully performed. You realize yeah. you're on a podcast. Exactly. That's exactly how it is. So I'm going to say I'll leave it at that. I have nothing really else to say about it except for it's this gigantic piece of shit because it's, it's poorly, poorly, poorly written, obviously, as I'm talking about. Poorly acted. Uh, poorly... This everything just sucks across the board, and it's, it makes no sense at all when you look at like why he does certain things. Like, and he's like, they're all they're all hitmen, of course, obviously, because it's how these movies work out, and they're all bad at it. They're all awful at their jobs. Um, it sucks so, yeah. to be you. It sucks to be you. I say it sucks, 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 sucks to be. Exactly. Uh, Cody, I passed it on to you. All right, so my dishonorable mentions in this scenario, um, I'm going to put something called The Map of Tiny Perfect Things. I had to watch that oh, with Caroline. Yes. I hated I that fucking movie. I have not seen it. So lame. It's basically like two people are stuck in a time loop, and then they're very, very <laughs> lame. It's very lame. Kim's doing an impersonation of a raptor at this point, I think. <laughs> and that's highly effective, I guess, is it? Um, God, okay, I'm going to put this on my dishonorable mentions and my honorable mentions because it's, it's very uneven. The, the Stand. Mm. The, re, mm. the remake of The Stand. There are some things that work and that I think are better than the 94, and then there are some things that just fucking don't. Um, also, because it's not told literally. Mm. Like, you start and they're already in Boulder. Mm. And mm. it's like, that that throws you off. Separation was a, just a shitty, lame horror movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been looking at one. I, had, I was like, wait, which one was... There's so much of, like, mediocre this yeah. year. Where I was like, it's not that this is bad, yeah. it's just not good. Yeah, I've got number, th- um, number three on my worst list. All right. Halloween Kills. I oh, hate you. Higher on my list or lower on my list. Okay. So I'm pause <laughs> All right. I'm not saying so it's we'll good. A, we'll I'm put just a saying. On Halloween Kills. I just. But how else are we supposed to know that evil dies tonight? Does evil die tonight? <laughs> evil will die later when he's When does about it die it? again? Yes. Come on, come on. When does it die again? When does yes. evil die? I think it dies tonight. Oh, wow. I know. Next right? week. 
Um, I didn't good. have like honestly coming up with my 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 like quote unquote worst stuff was a little harder because I, I I really did feel like. I didn't see tons of stuff I hated. Me neither. That's actually I, only one. Um, but I saw a lot of stuff where I was either meh or was disappointed by. Yeah. So I talked about bringing yeah. up the idea of like more disappointments than. than I don't. Hate. Yeah. I don't even. Yeah. But, uh, I, I yeah. literally do not. I did not see enough movies that I thought were outright awful. Yeah. But I did see a couple that I was quite disappointed in, and that's. I, I only have one worst of the year. Oh, gee, okay, maybe I'm spoiling that. Uh-oh. Um, but I do have a couple that I thought I, I was expecting more out of and disappointed me. It's like I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. Yeah. And um, yeah. that that will then bring me to, because again, I, I don't have a dishonorable it's mentions fair. above that. I, yeah. I actually only had, I had four out of five when, Bob, you said we should only do three. And so, and I don't even remember what my number four was at this point. That's how much it stuck with me. But my number three is is The Conjuring. And and again, it isn't even so much, like, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. Um, I, I'm a big fan of uh, the first two Conjuring movies. And this one, I felt... It just... The, the like, random witch storyline was so cheap to me. And I, I was... I, I was almost, like, angry on the behalf of talented actors. <laughs> I was like, you've got some damn good actors in this, and and you need to do better by your actors. Now, again, I did not hate this movie. I was just really bummed out because I liked the first two so much. I wanted this to be better than it was. Um, it also played so fast and loose with the facts of the case mm-hmm. that I did get a little angry at that because... And it's something I've gotten increasingly angry with these movies in general. Like, the Warrens are problematic people. Oh, yes. Oh, fuck yeah. Um, Like, incredibly problematic people. And they have been... It's like, I like the Warrens of the Conjuring universe. Yeah. They're yeah. better than the real Warrens, who are They're probably better than hucksters. The real... you know? well, and not just that, mile. like, Ed Warren, there has been a number of, of sexual abuse claims yeah. oh, lobbied against him and and he died a, a a large number of years ago so i'm and this is not the kind of podcast where i'm i'm gonna go really go into that but but if you want to hear that <laughs> ghoulish tendencies podcast <laughs> they were legendary grifters oh yeah just and i honestly, just yeah. insane they're like oh yeah we'll come get your demon but you have to cook me a dinner and you have to pay for me to come out but the ceremony or, or popping into infield and taking credit for but, it. But even, yeah, yeah. Well, I, and, that's, and I think that's it. The the the, the you know, I have to be in London. Throwing <laughs> away the the actual facts of some of these cases, where the cases are legitimately very interesting. Enfield is a really interesting case that the Warrens had very little to do with. But this case in the third movie, again, it was. It was a genuinely fascinating and much more nuanced case than you really see because it gets sort of devolved purely into the supernatural. And so, I, again, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. And that's why that remind was me. I have a uh, I have a Warren adjacent crazy priest video to show you after we're done. All right, all right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely lesser film. It's made by the same director who made. Um, La, Lora, La, La Lorna. Which I was oh, also very... Yeah, yeah I didn't yeah. like that yeah. they didn't yeah. have it was, it was very too. It was very meh. And I thought, like, I thought, for some reason I thought, like, the director was going to be the person who made Annabelle 3, which I thought was fun. <laughs> yeah, that, that was solid. But, uh... Alright, yeah. so... 
Tony. Tony. Oh. oh we, since you only have one, are we skipping you for a while? Or you Actually, well, uh, <laughs> I can, I, I think I probably, I think it sounds like this is like the highest or quote, unquote. Well, I have two legit disappointments in one movie that I just despised because okay. I, I, I really do think that this was a year where like more than one of you, uh, almost everything that I saw, I liked or loved. Uh-huh. I really, I, I don't know, it was a combination, a confluence of good fortune and my own discretion that I chose to watch new films that were either, you know, great or good. So it was like I had a chance to <laughs> we're, we're distracted see watching And we're extremely distracted by Tilly, the unofficial mascot of City of Geek, because there's something underneath... Kim's media cabinet, I think, that is absolutely enchanting to this powder puff of a gray cat. And we are now busting out the catnip. It's the same thing, just a different color. Uh, she knocks him out of the fireplace and gets sad that she can't... Honey, it's the exact same my cat does that, too. Look, it's the exact same thing, boo-boo. I love this one. I intensely dislike this one. Let me get this out from the fireplace. Sorry, you keep talking. I'm so not what's, uh, okay. so I was, I, I'm like shiny thing. Fluffy cat. Um, so yeah, I had two disappoint, two big disappointments, which actually I think will inspire some dissent. So um, interesting. Kim may want to stop <laughs> fishing for no, no. no. I'm not. I'm not saying that in the sense of pay attention to me. I'm saying that in the sense of I know that more than one of you liked one of the disappointments on my list. Um, but uh, the two disappointments I had were um, licorice pizza. Which I actually, <laughs> which I saw recently in consideration of the top ten, um, and, and save the other one for the next round. Yes, if we have, yeah. yes. Uh, and uh, I just this was another movie. I, mean, I I really by and large am very fond of Paul Thomas Anderson's oeuvre. I think he's a great director, um, and I think there are some very nice things in this movie. It is a beautiful evocation of the '70s, and the needle drops that appear in it are not the immediate cliched obvious needle drops that you would see in most '70s set um, period pictures. That said, um, and Actually, Kim and I talked about this already at an earlier date. Um, we, one of the things that we need as an audience when we see a movie like this is we need some tendril of relatability and likability to the characters. And for me, I found the two leads in this movie pretty insufferable. Not because of the actors, because the actors do solid work in what they're doing, but... Um, and I'm totally not a prude. I mean, for God's sake, I watch Italian horror movies. <laughs> I've seen Cannibal Holocaust, um, for God's sake. Um, You've but seen worse than that. <laughs> they, yeah, exactly. I've I seen have. Collection. We've watched um, But, I mean, the, the basic... The, the basic premise of this movie is it's about a 15-year-old kid who seduces a 20-something-year-old woman. And that is where I check out dude and I, 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 I like, literally cannot see this movie because of that yeah, I, I will say something so, yeah, I just knew I just knew it was a made December romance set in the 70s and that Paul Thomas Anderson made it and that everyone and their sisters if best she was tennis 19 coach. I wouldn't blink the way I'm blinking I mean it's still gross but like I have 15 year old students and she's a fucking grown-ass woman and that is something I'm sorry I can't 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 get beyond. Uh, you know, so you say, I'm like bad at understanding people's ages. So I thought when you said that there's too much of an age gap, I thought I'm in the trailer where you saw she looks young, well, yeah, with yeah. her and like Sean Penn or something. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that's what you're talking about, and then no. they no. went somewhere else. And no. Like, no. oh no, well, uh, they're the other because way around. Because usually it's the you see that. Yeah. That I have a pro- It's it's you know what? 
It would have been if, if if she's twenty five and Sean Penn is what like ninety at this point. Like that's kind of gross, but whatever. Yeah. Um. But he is under age. He's a child. Sorry. And I, well, no, no. And I actually, I this is like, and I mean, I'm not. I don't know. I mean, I don't come from the vantage point that you come from, where it's going to. I have students. That yeah. Age. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But I, you know, and I was surprised at how much it kind of it distracted me. Yeah. I, I distracted me. I mean, I was like, I'm supposed to be charmed by the kid at the center of this movie. And I suppose if he wasn't a 15-year-old who was putting the make on a, 20, a 25-year-old woman, I would maybe find this more engaging. But I just did not. I couldn't, I couldn't, again, I couldn't hang my hat on this character. And I also found that both he and his, the the character, the, the object of his affection and his, and his, seduction basically um i didn't find either of them very interesting and i found them both profoundly self-absorbed in a very 70s hollywood fashion and i mean yeah that there's some genuineness to the how that's portrayed in the movie's evocation of the 70s is great and of 70s hollywood is great but again couldn't hang my head on the hang, yeah. I couldn't hang my hat on the character and i just really it it made it it made it a constant distraction just when i started to find myself sinking into it and finding things to like about this character or one of the other characters that would do something bad. And I'm not one of those people who has to have a movie where all of the characters are likable and hunky-dory and neatsy-sweetsy. But again, you need something to hang your hat on. And that did not come, for me at least, with Licorice Pizza. Yeah, I, I, mean, I haven't seen Even it. in like Cannibal Holocaust, there's some likable characters. <laughs> the cannibals, <laughs> the for the most part. Yeah, I, I haven't seen this. I, I think it's cursed. Cause every time I try to go see it, something changes. Like, I was going to see it the day we recorded say, yeah, we, first time. Uh-huh. I mean, we were planning on recording on the 30th, but I just showed back in California, and the snowstorm was going on. So I'm like, no, I'll cancel my ticket. We'll cancel this. A couple of days later, I was going to say I was going to see it. Then timing worked better to see The Matrix, which was a huge disappointment to me. Um, and then I was going to see it this past Thursday, but it was raining really hard, so I just stayed home and watched Scream. <laughs> uh, so I'm like, you know what? I've tried three times to see this movie, and it hasn't worked. I will wait till I can rent it. <laughs> um, and again, for better or for worse, I do think that this is one of those movies that. Um, I think I enjoyed it more on a big screen than I would have if I was watching it from home. Because, again, um, one of the things I will say for Paul Thomas Anderson, even the movies of his that don't work, are beautifully shot. And he takes full spectrum advantage of the fact that he's working with a letterboxed movie screen. And so seeing the movie that way, I think, made it a lot more palatable. It's probably why I'm not as, why it didn't, why that weird age gap didn't bother me. Again, I come back to As much. But it still did. Having students that age, I'm like, they are children. I mean, they're teenagers, but they are children. And 25 is a full-ass adult. So if he had been a couple years older, if she had been a little younger, it would not squick me out the same way. But she is a full-ass adult, and he is an actual child. And that I, I... like, for better or worse, I can't personally get beyond that. Well, and the thing that's interesting about this is that whole conceit is a very, like, um, European art cinema, art house aesthetic. Because yep. in a lot of kind of Euro- European films, um, some of which are amazing pieces of work, you do have a very casual acceptance of that kind of sort of unconventional relationship. And there's almost this sort of veneer, I'd say, you know, God almost a fucking sinost hipster view that you are um, 
that you that you should be watching this and it should be no big deal and you should just be able to. Oh no! It should this. be a big deal. It should be a big Thank deal. Thank you. It exactly. should be. It's pedophilia and it should be a big deal. Like Thank you. I, I, again, I have students this age. They are children. <laughs> they so, are yeah. actual so, anyway. children. So the, I can't. I yeah. can't. So at, at the risk of you know. Yeah. I, so yeah, I mean uh, that's so that's that was yeah. like my fair enough big. One of my big disappointments. Yeah, I'll, I'll see it eventually, but I'm in no hurry after everything I've read about it. I'm, I'll, I'm really hit or miss with Thomas Anderson, Tom, yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson. Anyway, uh, like I'm, I think I'm one of the few people who didn't like Phantom Thread. Uh, the, uh, I haven't. Seen oh it no, yet. I didn't like it. I thought it was like dull, pretentious. Yeah. yeah. Uh, though I, I think Magnolia is a goddamn masterpiece, but that's you know, yeah. Everyone. Uh, but <coughs> yeah, I think he's like, I, I think he gets more revered. I, I do um, on a positive note for Paul Anderson this year. He did say Marvel movies aren't a problem. What do guys? What the fuck are you guys talking about? Good. All those other directors coming like Marvel movies are a waste of cinema. And he's like, no, they're fine. I yeah. like them. <laughs> so, so give so again props for that. Uh, so we come around to my number two, which was Thunder Force. Uh, which is a Netflix. Oh yeah, uh, with Melissa uh, McCarthy and Octavia I, Spencer. I was gonna watch that till I heard everything people were saying, and then yeah. I was like, "Oh, this is gonna make me yeah. sad." This I'm not an anti Melissa McCarthy person at all. No, I, I love like her. McCarthy. I like her a lot. Yes. Yeah. But the thing is, and like, I love Octavia Spencer. Yeah, I love them both. But this is one of the things where there's this, you know, there's the good movies with McCarthy, and there's the bad ones with McCarthy. There's the ones where she's playing a good character, and that. There's other ones where she falls down and farts a lot. Um, this is a falls down and farts a, fall- a lot. And the thing is, like all those, all the falls down and farts a lot ones are directed by her husband the person who should know how she worked Ben Valcone mm-hmm. who she writes these movies with him mm-hmm. so this is apparently what she wants to put out <laughs> the, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, either and, uh, that or this is a I, I get money off I, I get money off of it and I won't no, I won't yeah. mention this it'll keep the relationship better if I don't mention how shitty this turn in the script is and I mean respect <laughs> for being able to work with your with your spouse significant other and, yes and, and it is not a cakewalk to do that no and, and I mean it's 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 the kind I feel like this is the kind of thing like if this brings you joy great yeah I mean, maybe maybe she likes it you know but yeah he like yeah together they, they made Thunder Force Super Intelligence Life of the Party I actually like Life of the Party the oh boss I like Life of the Party that him. was cute yeah, and like See, so they made, I didn't hate the boss either. Like, it wasn't, I didn't like the boss. It either. wasn't good, but it was one of those movies you watch where you're like, "This isn't good," and I know it. But am I still kind of entertained? Yes, yes, I am. But uh, but I did I did like like the party, so I'll give it. Yeah, that. I liked the party. But it was this cute. was like I'm sitting there the entire time, like like literally didn't laugh. And this is one that's saying to like, someone like, "Oh, I'm smart with movies." Like it just it, yeah. they just weren't trying. Yeah, and like at all, no one is trying. It just completely completely just failed and wasted everyone and like I was I love Spencer watching or anything and yeah McCarthy is like I grew up she's great of course Ghostbusters Gilmore Girls uh-huh. so many I love Gilmore Girls uh, and so many other things and it's like this she just it did not work like whatsoever it's painful for everyone about like I love Bobby, Bobby Carnavale and uh-huh. he's awful in this uh, Jason um, actually Jason Bateman gets a couple laughs but hmm. it's it's kind of like in the same way that we talked. They've collaborated before. Yeah, and uh, identity. Yeah, which I I'm which curious okay. if they have like if they're buddies in real life, and yeah. that's part of why they. But yeah, uh, this, this is just this fell on its its face in like every way and inverted. Hmm. <laughs> so I passed it on to Cody. I guarantee no one's seen this. Okay. Number two is the fear footage. Three a.m. No. Nope. Is it found footage? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's something I should have seen, but I haven't. You're not missing much. Eh, that's that's the story. Okay, if so, you're a completist, maybe, I guess. The first one is like a weird anthology movie. Uh-huh. Some of the effects kind of work because you don't see them directly. They're obviously shit makeup. Uh-huh. But the way that they shoot them is fine. 
The second one is war. The second one is just okay. You know when you go to like a not, not a rural town, but rural adjacent. You sure. Seven Eleven. And there are these. <laughs> Stop! You had me at seven. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> and outside, there are these two guys, and they're probably tweaking on something. Yes. <laughs> they absolutely are tweaking on something. And I'm like, hey man, you got a quarter? Mm-hmm. Okay. Imagine that, but a whole movie of them running around. No, thank you, octopus. It's these two guys. <laughs> um, so the third one, like the the, like the entirety of the second one, is just basically it sets up for. There's a tape, it kills you, you end up on it, and then they're like, oh, we're going to go into the woods and, and, and then research the, the tape. And then they... And they're like, we're, we're doing a great, fun job. And then it the end of the movie sets it up to be like, the cabin that they stayed in, it had been burned down. They got taken by the ghost town. And then the third one completely fucking ignores this. Now the whole town is like this this ghost uh, finger trap where you get in there and you cannot get back out. So this happens. so it's um it's like an urban explorer YouTuber guy and he's like <laughs> within ten minutes he's just like, I can't get out of Dark Wolf uh, Maryland And then there it's like Is that next to Blairstown? That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly what I was thinking. Like, <laughs> Did you just make up another fictional haunted Maryland town? But it's so a lot to keep track of. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone watching this? And at least in the last one, you had two characters that played off each other. They were sure. annoying tweakers. Sure. But they were there. This is just him basically pissing himself in multiple locations. And then the demons will talk to him and be like, you need to do. Wait, are demons not supposed to be talking to you, telling me what I'm supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Then we're all in trouble, man. Fuck. <laughs> and then at the um... apologies for the sirens. I live in Pill Hill, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this this could be better. This sure. Could be. Sure. Then you get to the point where other characters from the other movies start showing up. Mm. Um. So like, uh, there's a cop who dies <laughs> in the first one, and he shows up, and he looks. Like, they went to Spirit, and they covered him in makeup. <laughs> and then the tweakers come back. As they often do. And he's like, okay, As they man. all want to do. So I just got to, gotta, okay, I know how to get out of the cursed forest. And I'm like, why would you? And this guy's like, oh, okay, cool. And, they, and then he follows him. And it, he's like, they get over the thing. And then he's just like, oh, man, you shouldn't have done that. Long story short, it ends with the most annoying fucking ending I've ever seen. One of the one of the most. In the first one, somebody gets run over by a car, and ah. the tweaker people who are in the film, the second film, are also actors in the first film. That's a great grave encounter type. Yeah, I was like, yeah. So he gets run over. Um, And they basically, like, try to tie it back together that he was the guy who got run over the whole time and that he was on the tape the whole time. And I'm like, what? Sure. That wasn't even supposed to be a thing. They even, they make the cardinal sin of being, like, in the second movie. Because I watched them together. They're they're kind of, like, they they came out back-to-back years. 
of being like, I bought this movie online called The Fear Footage, and I'm on it, but I don't remember being <laughs> on it. I'm like, oh, fuck. It could be an interesting take, but... It, it was not great. Yeah. It was... It was Hell the same. <laughs> you, you can tell what's going to happen. Once the dude drives into the haunted place, the, he's fucked. Once they start staying at the haunted cabin, they're fucked. Once the cop enters in the first movie, the, you're sensing him. A, 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 a trend. So yes. on. Okay. It's it's the <laughs> same thing. Three movies, and they get worse protagonists throughout them. It sucked. I, I I have to be honest. The last five minutes and forty five seconds have been like somebody chatting about Chinese nineteenth century plumbing. <laughs> Because they have been studying it for years. Exactly. That's exactly how it is. <laughs> I've been like, I have all this knowledge about the shitty trilogy. Somebody needs to. Te- somebody needs to say it. Kim. Um, my number two was an honorable mention for one of you, and it comes back to uh, mostly I'm offended on the actor's behalf. Because M. Night Shyamalan did what few people could do, and is make a group of extraordinarily talented actors feel bad. Yeah. They were bad. Oh, it was God. a it was badly acted, oh, and it was God. not the actor's fault. And if you are not sure what movie I'm talking about, I'm talking about old. Oh, old piece of shit. Oh, massive. I shit. Oh. got angry because, and you know what? Why I got angry again. Because Why did you get angry, Kim? The concept is cool. It's cool. It is a really interesting idea. It should have been good on the source material alone. It's based on what, a short story, I uh, think, comic. or a comic. Yeah, it's it's based on something. There is source material for this, and you know what he said? He said, even though there is source material for this, I'm taking someone else's story. I still have to put a fucking twist on it. <laughs> what does he say? Do you say? Yeah, I was actively angry watching this about how bad it is. Like, it's it's insulting. It's, it's insulting. It's oh. insulting for the actors. It's insulting for the audience. It's, it's not, and it's poorly shot. It uses, it's it poorly it, it shot. It uses a pretty location in an awful way. But I was, I was, this is something I always get pissed about. I was pissed about the inconsistency of how it worked. Yes! Like, sometimes being there for eight hours ages them up from, you know, a young girl, Thomas and Mackenzie, or Alex Wolf, and other people are now skeletons. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, it's no, just... How does this work? And it's I, like, the coral at the end is like, I'm, I'm totally spoiling the end of it. Where the, do the, it. The, no, the way please, they escape, is that is they figure out they can swim under the coral and get out the coral, which is right off the ten feet off off of the beach. Yeah, you you don't see the entire movie because if you saw it, you'd be like, "What is that?" Yep. So if you if you shoot around it, the audience can't be like, "There's a way out." <laughs> it's 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 maddening. On a note that they have that never read for a day, or I can't remember what it is, but eventually they it's, notice like yeah, they get no. the notes like, "Swim out with the coral." Oh hey. Good call. Oh yeah, yeah, because because the, the the little boy gave a note to the other little boy. Yeah, because they like, were friends. They put it in their pocket and just didn't mm-hmm. think about it for for you know until he's like seventy. <laughs> there's just there's so much there's so much where I was just like this could this should no not even could this should have been if not a great movie it should have been a solid movie it should have been because it, it's I feel like he was handed 
He was handed a great concept, a beautiful location, talented actors. How do you fuck all three of those things up? You know who can fuck all three of those things up? And Shyamalan! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm having feelings, but it's 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 like I look at a low budget movie that's not great, and I'm like, at least, at least, like you have a small budget, you're trying. He gets handed shit over and over and over again, and he still fucking messes it up. This so, is very sad to hear. That's that's those are and it my. It doesn't make any sense because he did such a great job with the last Airbender. <laughs> Fuck you, Cody. But it's, but it's such a great example, though. Why do people keep giving him money? Because he makes money. Because he made um, the Sixth Sense. A million years ago, and Cody that, wasn't even born when that movie was made. That breakup was fantastic, and then like everything else, yeah, science is all right. Then we, yeah, but so, but again, he's not a good. Hmm? He's that's the thing. He is in, he's good with stories. He is good at creating stories, which again, he did not create the story for old and the part that he did create, he fucked up. But um he's bad at dialogue, and a great example is Signs, which has the most awkward fucking dialogue. I like that yeah. I single-handedly am giving us our explicit rating because of how many times <laughs> I've said fuck talking about this movie. I just Well, shit, now my number one best is going to look really bad. <laughs> oh, God. I didn't see it. I saw the trailer and doped out. I'm like, that's... I've never... You know, it's a little... This really disappoints me because there was a period of time where it felt like he was on the upswing aesthetically. Yeah. Well, I yeah, liked the visit. I, yeah, he I, really I thought that was really and good. Was fine. Yeah. It was pretty and, all right, but made most of the game problems, boy. But it wasn't the worst thing he's ever done. Yeah. I was, I was very fond of Split. Glass was okay. Uh, Looking great. Uh, but but again, not the worst thing he's ever done. <laughs> so the, the bar, the hear, hearing the this just is done. very depressing. I just, I don't understand how you can be given so many things. Again, beautiful location, interesting concept, good actors, and still produce the steaming dumpster fire of shit. Well, it doesn't make, like, it, it's, it's like after Coppola made... Uh, the Godfather, you know. And part, yeah. <laughs> he made The Last Airbender. Everything else is going to look really bad in comparison. <laughs> but, like, Cheers to that. Yep. Like, one thing I'll, I'll say about Old as well is, like, and this is thinking this because of Liquid Pizza and, like, some sort of skeeviness. And this uh -huh. is a different sort of skeeviness. But yep. So, Thomas and McKenzie, who we'll talk about later on in Soho, uh, I was really bothered by, like, so she starts out as a little girl and then gets yep. older and she grows into her swimsuit. And she's wearing something that's mostly covering her top. Yep. And then the mom's like, you need to cover up. You need to cover up. And so she gives her a smaller swimsuit. Yep. Helps cover her ass more, but her, her tits are just hanging out. It's yep. Like, she's supposed to be like five? Yeah. And this Ma is weird. And you're telling me, and then the, 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 and then the what happens, like, Bob? And then what happens? I don't remember. Well, I know they're... <laughs> I don't remember. The, the three-year-olds have sex. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then they have a baby that immediately dies. Yep. Which was, of course... Because yeah, they, they like... That, yeah. That's it. We just take the 15-year-old from Licorice Pizza, we put him on the old beach for a little bit, <laughs> he ages up, and he hangs out with the girl from <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Problem solved. Yeah, Look so, at us, guys. So, so give her a smaller bikini. <laughs> Solving movie and then problems. And put the cameras right in front of her boobs. Well done. Like, well oh. done, friends. <laughs> Oh, anyway, so sorry. That's my. No. Those are those, that's, that's, that's old rants. Um, someone else talk before I What's start throwing pens again. That would be me. Um, my second biggest disappointment of the year, um, and largely because 
there is an enormous amount of positive word of mouth, and some of you at this table like this movie quite a bit. I really couldn't get behind Psycho Gorman. Mm. I really? just did not like it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. I think this movie has a wonderful, genial spirit. I think that the effects are great. I love the premise, and I love almost every character in the movie except the lead character at the center. I think Mimi is the kind of shallow, shitty, fickle, mean person <laughs> that you just want to throw into a wood chip. I mean, to be fair, she's like eight. Yeah, but... So she's but the even, best. <laughs> even... even even with that, I just was so I just wanted to throw this kid in a wood chipper, and I just could not. It just it was like it was like watching a, an eight year old female Donald Trump carry a movie. Oh my god! She felt that like loathsomely, you know, uh, you know, beholden to her in and her own, you know, fickleness. So I felt like, like that was part of the point. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, it, I'll say that to that. That was yeah, no, because it's higher. It's yeah. higher at my list on the other end. So uh, yeah, but I, but I so and again. Yeah, no. You know, it's all you it, know. It hit my button the like, right way. It's like yeah. It's like for me, it was like I'm like it was like cilantro for the ten percent of people who yeah, can't do cilantro. No, that's, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was how it, you know. And I and again, this is it, and it's all subjective. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. There's so many fun, cool things in the movie. Um, but I that just felt to me like a big void. Mm-hmm. If that character for me would have been better written, just a little bit better written, just a tiny itsy bitsy bit better written, I, it wouldn't. It, it might even be a runner up on my favorites because there's there's an awful lot of imagination and great throwaway gags that are in the movie. I mean, it's a it's a fun horror comedy if you can get yes, on maybe. board with the central character who I just think is horrible and I, I'm scarred by the fact that the loathsome creature that you know recently skulked out of the White House only says that he didn't <laughs> um, is disposition wise very much a spiritual kin to Mimi the central character in the movie yeah um, that that just that just really you know that's got, that's that for me I mean yes a 15 year old romancing a 25 year old is Pretty offensive, but that, as far as being able to aesthetically tolerate something, that was a bridge too far for me. She was too much like Donald Trump. Thumbs down. (laughs) Fair enough. So I'll move on to my most loathsome movie of the year, Uh, and this was Sia's Music. Oh, that's number one for me, too. Uh, Right. Oh, yeah. And I I deliberately (laughs) didn't watch it, because I knew I would probably rage. And I don't... Where did it air? Uh, I rented it. Yes, yeah. I, I gave like, it. I gave like two bucks. I think I had an Amazon credit and I used it. All I didn't want to yeah. pay please, money for it. Yeah. Please but... enlighten me on this. Oh, right, so she me. shot this movie several years ago. <laughs> Who shot this movie? Sia. Years? Sia. Sia. Okay. You the, know, the music Sia. artist. Yeah. <laughs> so she she made it's a this... remarkable impersonation. Thank you. So the uh, so the so what this movie is about. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's 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 kind of it's Rain Man, but really really worse. It's, it's, it's Rain, Rain Man, but less politically correct. Uh, but Rain Man doesn't hold up now because you know we have we know more about autism. And there's, it's more about you know and, and the way things work. So this is, Kate Hudson plays a woman who's like down on her luck because she has to take care of her autistic sister. Music. Uh, that is her. That's name. her name. That's, That's her, her name? name. Oh Jesus That's Christ. Her name. 
But she tries to do her own thing. But the thing is, she's she's the lost soul. But now she has to make that connection with her sister to fix herself. And I want I want you for a moment to think about every bad stereotype. This is this is worse than Simple Jack and uh and uh Tropic Thunder. You never you never go full. I'm not even gonna quote Tropic Thunder. Yeah, yeah, her face like so. It's this. It is the this the fourth grade. You know, take on someone in that in that era, and, and that who yeah, the kid actor did not want to do it too. Yeah. See, she's made like, her do this yeah, with the help of Autism Speaks. It's an awful charity. You never give <laughs> really anything to Autism Speaks. Um, and, it, and it has the autism needs to be fixed. Yes, yeah. here. you have to fix uh, it. And that she's perfect inside. Just needs to be because she. We see these things. We see these musical videos where the with, with the girls. A completely normal person. I don't know if I've used bad word there. I'm sorry. I don't mean to say that's abnormal. I don't mean that. That's kind of. It's one of the things where it's. Uh, we'll fix it. Yes. We'll <laughs> but it's it's a very offensive, stereotypical. Yeah. Yeah. Approach yeah. of they, approaching this character. They literally have her sound like. <laughs> yeah. And I was I was debating how to even talk about this when we were going over this. Like, how can I talk about this without even sounding. Awful. Awful. No, no I feel it's, bad it's, even yeah. mentioning that is how is accurately played. That is an accurately bad movie that poisons everyone. Yeah, like, I can't talk about this without like... sounding offensive, and I'm not trying not to. You know, there's this scene at the end where they have her sing, and she just—you can tell. See, I thought this is it. This is my Oscar moment, and it's this little girl <laughs> who you can see in her eyes doesn't want to be doing this, and she just goes. Music is the best. They're at this guy. Speaking of which, they have an African American character. Well, it's, it's he's a, yeah, he's a Wait, Broadway star. He's not even African American. He's just African. He came over from Africa, and they gave him AIDS. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. He has AIDS. has AIDS. I'm sorry. Did AIDS. we just walk into the Book of Mormon too? Yeah. He's yeah, got AIDS. <laughs> Yeah, it's every single stereotype you could possibly think of. There's a um, and there's a there's a fat Mexican child, mm-hmm. and I forgot about that until we mentioned it. He it has is- adoptive Asian parents who one is literally the stereotypical harsh Asian father, uh, and then the submissive Asian mother, and he gets beaten to death by his. Mm. He gets beaten. To death by his abusive Asian father. And at the end of the movie, he comes, he doesn't come back to life, but he appears in one of her visions and they dance. Because he's supposed to be the um, special whisperer. We don't, we don't film these, but the Kim's face, this entire description is. See, Dude, Cody remembers more of the movie than I do. Oh, I, do. I, I, I immediately do. deleted it from my brain. Uh, after watching it, I watch bad movies all the time that I can tell you everything that happens. This is one of the ones that went <laughs> immediately. Out like of your my brain space. rejected. Yes, it. exactly. It's like <laughs> boom. It's it was gone. like I don't want nor need. <laughs> this I remember here. enough to get angry about it and put it, keep it as my number one worst movie. Well, and then here. there's a there's a there's a stereotypical gay man who is the drug dealer. Um, I don't even know what to do with that. <laughs> there's and, and really, honestly, the the. They they make it out to basically be that the the fat kid is this whisperer and he just understands her and then when he dies, um and then the grandma just randomly dies. Yeah. She's living with the grandma at the beginning, 
And, and that's why Kate Hudson has to take care of her. Yeah. How Kate, many times has Kate Hudson stepped in to take care of teenagers now? A lot. So but many she times. plays it, but she has yeah, she has these great dreams for that no yeah. one, and she has her head is shaved and she's a, a punk rocker. Kate Hudson, herself. let's talk. Hi. She needs a new new agent. Um, and then there's everything since Oh. Almost famous. Yeah, the, I was like, yeah. One good move. Well, wait, wait, I when like she was on Glee, <laughs> get out of your own house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but yeah. it, it, it does like it, yeah. And what's uh, really uh, most offensive is like uh, that autism speaks is really much a part of this. And they do the if the kid is acting out and using quotes uh, to lay on the kid and, until oh. the kid settles down. Oh. And that's that's definitely when we act. I get told this the kid's killed. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that, that she, and then she leaned into everything. When people say, people were like, hey, Sia, Autism Speaks is an awful organization. She's like, no, no, they're great. And they did this. She fired, the reason it took four years for this movie to come out after she made it is because she fired, she kept arguing with the editors and fired them until she edited herself. Oh. Um, and the thing is, it's not even like shot and edited any any weird different way it's a it's very basic like point and shoot besides the music videos maybe that's where the arguments came from but people just kept believing until yeah. she just released it and it somehow got a golden globe nomination which is the reason i watched it i um, mean to be fair <laughs> which is why one reason like you know what? i'm not gonna even bother golden globe this year because normally i try and fill in the stuff i haven't seen this no. supposed to get ready for the oscars uh but this year i'm like yeah whatever they just nom- they nominated well they nominated that in prom uh, in the same mm-hmm. time, like, oh, no, both those movies are awful. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that was, music is just... It was, it was, like, <sighs> honestly, she was, like, she, she looked soul. at this poor kid and was, like, okay, I want you to watch two movies for me. The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> and Frankenstein. Oh, don't forget to watch, uh, the, the simple Jack parts of, uh, of Tropic of, Thunder. Of Thunder. Yep. Basically That's what you want. Just... You want to be Ben Stiller in that. Or you watch I Am Sam and then go worse. Mm. <laughs> and it's like she she sounds kind of like a, a little girl Frankenstein monster too. She goes... With the, with the lidded blade. eyes. And, uh, yeah, and, <laughs> she does. and it's like, I feel bad doing that. but that's She just... does sling blade. <sighs> All right, so... She likes them french fried potatoes. Yeah, for the benefit music... I'm gonna oh. go ahead and pause this so we can watch this. That's probably good. I kind of blocked. First trail of her is the most offensive thing is the, just given the black eye from Africa AIDS. That's so fucked up. Yeah. It's like yeah, it's like normally I watch a lot of bad movies because they're they're bad. Like this case, I watched it and like oh, no. Oh, like you cringing the whole yeah. time. Yeah, it's like you know, Carolyn's autistic. Oh god, she hated it. She was so mad. And I'm like, you know what we're watching? She's like, yes, I need to see it. And she's like, oh. Oh my god. Yeah, Autism Speaks is like... Oh, yeah, they're watch. awful. They're awful. They, they, they are basically like eugenicists. They, yep. mm-hmm. they want some kind of like a vaccine that doesn't give you autism. And with that... How about we move on and yeah. watch, watch... What's Kim's worst? I'm recording. Uh, we got recording again? After the video and after we finish watching the trailer, her music. Alright, well, you know, we've got time... Uh, let me show you the oral sex demon, Kim. <laughs> Wait, I thought Bob was recording again. Yeah, I am. Bob's <laughs> recording again. So pause the oral sex demon. Damn it. I'm sorry. Yeah, you showed me um, last Okay. Year. <laughs> Different one. Mine. Oh. I'm going to preface this with saying, earlier in the year, I was asked by a friend of mine, she's a single mother, she said, Kim, oh, I, think I, know here. I want to go out to dinner and go to the movies. I don't have my children tonight. And I said, 
I will do this thing with you. What movie would you like to see? And she said, Dear Evan Hansen. Oh, no. And I said, no, 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 you don't want to see that. And she said, yes, I do. And I said, no, you don't. And she said, yes, I do. So we went and we saw Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> and here's the thing, friends. Um, this is not a musical I'm actually particularly fond of. It's awful. It's awful. Um, I, I think there's a few individual, like, there's some music in it that I think is pretty outside of the context of this rather awful, awful show. Um, but, but here's the thing. When you're seeing this on stage and you think these are actual teenagers, you're like, this isn't great, but, like, teenagers are stupid. <laughs> I mean that in a nice way. As like, someone who teaches them. Do you know? No, I mean like they're stupid. <laughs> like they make stu- like you're supposed to. When you're a teenager, you're supposed to do stupid shit. It's one of the things about being a teenager. Part of the job description. It's part of the job description. So it's not as offensive when you're watching a movie where a teenager does a stupid thing because you're like, you know what? That wasn't a good choice. But you have learned from this and you've grown from this. Now that being said, when we are watching a forty-year-old man. Um, playing the, po- I'm sorry, he's not actually 40. Like he's in his, yeah, he's in his late 20s, but he, he looks old. He looks, well, it's not just that he looks old. It was, the director made the choice. <sighs> Steven Twilowski made Perks of Being a Wallflower and wrote Rent. And, <laughs> oh. The movie. But yeah, which is not, which is not working in his favor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the, the original actor who started the show on Broadway starred in this um he looks his age and yet the the other teenagers in the film look like teenagers so there's that um oh that's not icky at all by the way it's it's weird it's longer, even, 15 but not this right <laughs> like even even the like the girl who plays the love interest she's actually i think in her early 20s but she looks like a teenager so it's like i had to keep reminding myself She's, you know, 23 or whatever. This is not as gross as I think it is. Um, But the director chose in these very emotional songs, because this is not a, like, song and dancey musical. So there was a lot of close-ups, and there was close-ups of emotional face. And, y'all, emotional faces on film look like, I realize you can't see me, but I feel like the sheer mass of face I'm about to make will translate. <laughs> um, oh Jesus! Yeah, the, no, the people at home felt that. So he is making what I have deemed the constipation face. <laughs> the constipation orgasm. Yeah, yeah no, it's constipation <laughs> orgasm. It's like I'm pooping and coming at the same time. <laughs> this is a very popular rock star expression. It is. Also, it by is. The way. Which again, in a large space, actually plays out pretty well. Thank you. When a camera is in a close-up on this face. Is it is unfortunate for all involved, including the twenty-seven-year-old man who is supposed to be playing a like sixteen-year-old. So with his receding hairline. With his receding hairline. Oh, is it John Travolta and Bruce <laughs> it, it, I was waiting to make that joke somewhere in there. But, it, but at, least, at least in Greece, they were all inappropriately aged. See, that was the thing. If they you had made your best friends, what if they made the choice to just have all of them look like they were in their twenties. I at least would have been like, I understand this world. Okay. Um, but this is also, this is this is a show that is not about flashy dance numbers or, or big energetic numbers. And so you're just lingering. So it's dull. It is so, so, so dull and uninteresting. 
and it's bad. And I had to sit through it in a movie theater. I had to risk getting COVID to see this movie. And honestly, COVID might have been better. No, it wouldn't have. But like, I don't know. It was, I... <laughs> I personally there's a best there's a best review in the world. Dear Evan Hansen, <laughs> neck and neck with COVID. Dear Evan Hansen, I'd rather get COVID signed. And like I respect <laughs> that there is there are people who like the reason why my friend wanted to see this is that she'd seen the movie at the Paramount. And she's a single mom, and 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 part of actually what I was angry about is is the thing in the show that I actually think is the most compelling is the are, are the mothers in that is that you have these two mothers who are dealing with with grief and dealing with with their lives and that aspect gets almost entirely cut out of the movie so you're just watching non-teenagers look old and ugly on film and and i appreciate anyone who who this film speaks to them or this musical speaks to them uh that was not it for me um, Based on the box office and critical response, I don't think you're in the minority. And again, I, I don't want to like poo-poo on somebody who, who genuinely finds this to be a, a something that has left an, a lasting impact on them. But yeah, I, Kim. Yeah, I'm sorry, Cody. But you know what? It was bound to happen sooner or later. So, um, no, that was that's my... Uh, that's my number one why, why, why did this have to exist film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, oh, I think we know. Means, we think what Tony's going to be because we mentioned it. We, and we know messed it exactly. <laughs> Wait, but before Tony, I just I have a really important question for you. Yes. Does evil die tonight? I'm not sure. God help I think us. I, need to, I think I need seven more minutes of, of someone yelling about it. No, I think evil needs to die during the release date of Halloween <laughs> ends. <laughs> then it will really die. Will it? At least Maybe until we'll we reboot the franchise <laughs> in another six oh. years. But what if we surround? What if we surround evil and then don't actually kill him and just like touch him with an iron and poke him really hard? Can I? That I was gonna. I was Halloween gonna kills. Halloween gonna kills. <laughs> Halloween kills. It is fucking awful. It is a motherfucking shit sucking travesty of. That's a movie. my mom. You're talking about. <laughs> What are you bringing my mother into this? Oh, dude. I seriously. I just really. And I know it's like. I think sometimes I think, God, my my absolute rage at this movie is so disproportionate to what it is. Because on on a basic This is like like Rob Zombie for Cody level of yeah, rage. This is I, I, I think this is about a hundred times worse than either of the Rob Zombie Halloweens. I think the Rob Zombie Halloweens look like motherfucking Citizen Kane. <laughs> Ben-Hur and, uh, you know, Moonlight or whatever all rolled yeah, up no. into one. I agree. I agree. But this, was the, this was the worst Halloween movie. Thank you. It's horrible. Oh, and, and it's not just, I think, when you have a movie like this, and, and I think part of it is my expectations were guardedly optimistic because I yeah. actually liked, I liked Halloween 2018. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I thought it's not perfect. But it moves, it engaged me, and I also thought that even though they, they put way too little of it in, that the whole dynamic between uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and her daughter, <coughs> bless you, is it, it felt like there was a real attempt to address PTSD and how parents either pass it along to their kids or how their kids have to deal with their parents going through it. Mm-hmm. And I, that and that that even though they didn't touch on it as nearly as with nearly as nuanced br- brush strokes as I would have liked that kernel of an idea 
and the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis actually really gets to act at certain points in the context of this dynamic and this idea and this situation, that had my my hopes guardedly elevated a little for Halloween Kills, and I fucking despised it. It is terrible on so many levels, and not just because um, I, I it makes woeful underuse of Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis goes through the mm-hmm. entire She's movie in a hospital bed, most of that in a hospital bed with a big old sore in her gut. And that's what she's dealing with. Well, she dealt that in Halloween too. Well, yeah, but <laughs> but Halloween too at least has the has the uh, benefit of its intentions, which is it doesn't. It's not trying to be anything more substantial than yeah. what it is. This is one, and you know, I one of the things I said is every single line in the script of Halloween Kills sounds like it was written by somebody like with one eye to it being put on the fucking poster. Yep. Everything every line in that movie is a is a it's a it's a fucking tagline for a one sheet poster. It's that fucking and poorly written. God, the way they did Tommy Doyle. Oh, did it he was done insufferable. dirty. He was done I can't, how I I really like Anthony Michael me too. Hall. I yeah, think he's me a terrific too. character actor. Great character actor. I I go into this initially thinking, oh my God I see his face. I'm like, great. And and they brought back the original Lindsay yeah. and and the Final nurse. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, okay. And then it's what do they do? They like they get fucking yeah. killed so quick. And then they're well, like, Lindsay left. Lindsay left. Lindsay yeah, lives. lives. Yeah. Lindsay yeah. survives. Yeah. Thank yeah, God. This, this is now the second time that poor nurse has been done in the. Yeah. <laughs> I know, man. Yeah. Uh, oh. I didn't hate it as much as, as you guys. Did, no, I didn't. I didn't let down. I separated out. I think the slasher elements were pretty brutal and worked like. Separated from that, but like and what after about Big John and Little John. Yeah. Hey, it's, Big John. <laughs> Big yeah, John? after the uh, but after 2018 being my second favorite, well, third favorite Halloween movie. Yeah. Uh, second favorite Michael Myers one because I love Halloween three is my second favorite Halloween movie. This is such a this one was a major disappointment to me. The expectations were high. Yeah, yeah, and everyone's just so stupid. Oh my. And God. serious too, like yeah. serious and stupid. Even the and Big like, John, Little John thing is like. House. And so they don't stop. fucking leave. And he's like, let's do this. I wonder this. who might be in our house. The person who escaped from the middle hospital that used to live here. Who oh, wants actually, to look out okay, the window. Guys, I but just, Big John. I just have, to, I just have to interject here. It's I think like it's crucial for us to evaluate whose number one list is this on? You guys are like so insanely <laughs> incensed. And it's like, oh, I didn't dislike it as much as you. I didn't dislike yeah. it as much you guys obviously detested it every bit as much as I did. <laughs> I, so, I, I, I'm still in denial. Day, I'm but. still. In, I I can't detest it because I love the franchise so much. I feel like this is maybe how you feel about anything Star Wars. <laughs> Where like even when it's not good, I have this like urge to kind of defend it, but I know better. Um, I never thought I would actually see the day where the fucking Buster Rhymes one wasn't the worst. <laughs> I think I still, I still think that one's the worst. I, still, I put this one in like the I game put this one in the and like number eight. I think was on my listing. And I, I mean, I'm still not a big fan of number six either. I would yeah. if if I had to rewatch six or this, I'd watch this. Yeah, if put, for no other reason than Big John Little. Time. Ultimately, I put this at the bottom of the era of like I you have an idea but you didn't work uh, like H2O, which is lowering every time I watch it. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's got uh, Arkin in it. I like it. And uh, a couple of the, like, what's the other one? On Halloween, then Rob Zombie's Halloween too. Were like, I see what you're going for. I don't think it worked, no, but no. I see what you're going for. Um, yeah, that's where I end up putting like number eight out of the twelve. Um, well, and I'm still just 
I don't understand how we go from 2018 to this one. Yeah. And I don't it's understand like how we Halloween go... It's like they went from Halloween 1 to Halloween 5. I know you guys like 5, but still. <laughs> I, I like 5, but because it's ridiculous. I, I guess part of it is that, like, 2018 took it so seriously in terms of, of um, this is real. Yeah, they're like, I, you, you are absolutely, that is one yeah. of the key things. The tonality between that and the other one is just, it, it just does not And now mess. it's yeah. like an unstoppable, like literally manifestation of evil. It's yeah. like, no, that, just, that doesn't I, work with what you set that's, up. That's yeah. exactly what you pulled away from by rebooting the series yeah. and saying that he was just a man. That's, and the thing, like, the whole thing with, like, I brought up last time and actually this one's like, he doesn't give a shit about, about Lori. He was aimed, uh, he saw Lori. And he's like, okay, I'm gonna. Get... And then for the second movie, he was aimed at Lori. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, for 2018. And now, like, so I, th- I, I actually like that idea, but I think it worked in this one, you know. Or I don't know. I'm interested in seeing where they go for Halloween ends. I was as I as I mentioned to you guys before, and I was like, it's like it'd be great if like it's been four. It's supposed to be four years later. It's like it's four years later. They finally figure out what's going on. He's possessed by the mask, and they all have to go to Santa Maria, California, <laughs> and go to this mask factory to get through the evil. Please, please <laughs> let it be foul. I want it to be Halloween yes. three. I'd, I'd watch the shit out of that. I don't care how bad it is. If they just did that, I would give them this. I'd give them four stars just for the ball. Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, they're setting it in COVID era, so. It would be kind of funny if Michael Myers was one of the uh, Capitol Riders. He died <laughs> in the DC prison of COVID. Yeah. Oh, man. That, Ten hey, movie. Wait, wait, wait. They didn't arrest him. <laughs> I'm smelling an elevator pitch. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. You just got to get me to the right person. Hey, can we talk about good movies? Yes. Yeah, yeah, movies. I'm still unclear if uh, Evil dies uh, tonight. Um... Let me no, let me, let me, power let me Google that. Stuff. Does evil does die that, tonight? We'll find out in October. Okay, so you know all our asses will be right back. There <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll seats. be right back. There. <laughs> My ass will be right in the seat for Halloween. Absolutely. All right, so Cody, what was your number three? Uh, I think. Yeah. yeah. Number three, three, best. We're off the worst. We are on. Yes, the we're best. back. This, this movie probably was on people's worst list. Fair enough. Uh, and it's malignant. Malignant. I I absolutely adored. Malignant. I actually wondered when we were talking about it. First, we took us a look at it. I know. It was, it's just James Wan doing a weird horror movie because he fucking can, and I love it. I will say, I'm I'm not nearly as much of a fan of it as you, and I think if you see Last Night in Soho, you'll realize all the much more how skin deep and not very, well shallow, I'm sorry, um, Malignant is in terms of its homage and what it's trying to do. Um, But I will also say that I've always sort of considered, not because I think he's this talented, I've always liked James Wan, but I've always sort of considered him, because he makes very accessible horror movies. Horror for the masses. Thank you. He makes horror for the masses, but it's also well-crafted enough to where real horror fans Uh can get into them too. He, he's managed that very rare ability to straddle the line between those two poles um, to where I almost want to call him the Beatles of horror. Mm. I don't think, say, I don't I think, think he's as great. I don't think he's as important culturally, but I think in terms of how he's able to balance appeal to the masses with kind of his own, like, like some, some talents, craft. Um, when I watched... This is going to be a rock nerd reference. When I watched Malignant, I thought that Malignant was the Beatles of horror doing his Revolution Number Nine. 
Huh. Can I jump yeah. in and say I think it's okay if we talk about spoilers? From like, this is kind of hard not to. I was gonna say yeah. that's a movie that's hard not to. We we need yeah, nothing anymore. Look, when the, when the fucking thing it, shows up on her fucking head and she just wrecks that entire police <laughs> precinct. Well, my because I I am much more of a James Wan fan than Tony. Like I I legitimately enjoy James Wan's films. Yeah, um, I I think they're interesting. I like he does a lot of supernatural stuff and and that's kind of my jam. Um. And he's and this is the thing I will not dispute any of that. I think he's a solid filmmaker. I think he does what he does very well. Um, I guess for me, it's kind of like it's kind of like the equivalent of going into a Thai restaurant and the food being really good, but it just being way like not nearly spicy enough for me. That's, well, that's how I, I feel about Juan. What, that's, I about, what I was about to say is that um, I. I Going into Malignant, there was a lot of people who were very much... It was like they either fucking loved it or they hated it. it. And so I was expecting to have an extreme reaction to it, and I didn't. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I was like, okay, I I enjoyed it. It's not the best thing I've seen him do. It's not the worst thing I've seen him do. Um, But I was very middle of the road with it. But I thought there was some really, really interesting components to it. And I appreciated the fact that... I, I think you're right. He, it's a situation where Juan had enough clout to where he could literally say, "Give me thirty million dollars or whatever, and I'm just going to do what the whatever the fuck I want." I give him everything for for making that and putting it out to yes. the mess. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. I agree. Yes. I agree. Yes. I agree. Yes. Come out of someone's back of someone's head and jump kick their way through a police station. Yeah. Now, I, murderer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, it was. I now. In a Seattle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I Wait. still, I have questions about, I, I, I will say their version of the Seattle Underground actively made me angry and almost, it distracted me from the film. I, it almost did for me, except for that, I thought it was more of an homage to the Night Stream. <laughs> I was. Yeah. It, it, I can see that. It took me out of the film. Be- only because. Kim, that's how it is though. You're telling a tour guide that. Right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and a That's former it. tour guide. Hold my line. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. <laughs> I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Okay, so your number three was Malignant. Yes. Which, yeah. Also, just interrupted you. Yeah. Door. For them falling, that, that lady falling from the fucking ceiling oh, when yeah. the cops are there. That was cool. Just that was boom. Cool. Yeah, there no, was yeah. some fantastic moments in it. Oh yeah, no, it's definitely a set piece film. Like, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. You get to the, you have to get to the good parts, and I'm completely fine with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the the, the connecting tissue doesn't always work, but mm-hmm. eh, it worked for me. And I, I'm going to say I really like this. This end of my twenty. This ended up actually on my list. Where is it? Twenty nine. Actually, right below censor. Oddly enough, uh, the, <laughs> the um. And a little bit below Nightmare Alley to talk about Tony's picks. But um, the uh, starting with the domestic abuse kind of sets a weird tone for me right after. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. the, the, for the, the opening scene with the first, I think Gabriel, I can't remember, mm-hmm. taking him out and all this, like, oh, this is great, this is that, this is the tone, and then immediately jumps to a completely different tone. Mm-hmm. was kind of weird, and then yeah. it goes back into the first tone for, like, the rest of the movie. Uh, and it, it kind of wish like, they could have got Gabriel out a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This some random head injury, uh, but I don't know how to connect to why the husband gets killed. But the the contortionist and the way that look was really—I think it's the same contortionist as uh, Mama, if I remember right. Um, oh, that would make sense. Yeah. The really long skin, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and the way he moved was was really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I I I really enjoyed it just for what it was in that case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Shall we move on to, on to Kim's Kim. number three? My number three may or may not be on someone else's list. Uh, it was on Tony's list! <laughs> <laughs> and that is... Licorice pizza? <laughs> yes, how did you know? <laughs> I like licorice, uh, I like pizza, I like inappropriate I like, you like romance. You like incest, you like... <laughs> just like, you know, yeah. Uh, a psycho gourmet. Which is my number okay. three as well. So my number six, so we can, Something. Yeah, something like that. I, wow. I found it so utterly delightful. I liked the little girl partially because she was such a shit. Like, where she, like, says, I'm your Christ now, or whatever, I'm your God now. I was That like, line did make me laugh. Fucking, yeah. The, the dream sequence where he's coming to warn the brother and, like, she's going to be destroyed, she's going to do this. And then he was just stuck in the dream. And they're like, this is awkward. And he's like, yeah, I just got to wait here until you wake I can't, I can't, I can't even, like, this was the movie I, I would tell, I told a bunch of people to watch it, and, like, if you want something just batshit ridiculous and fun, I liked the audacity of it. It was, when I saw it, it was the movie I needed in that moment, um, and, and I liked what a dick she was, because I also, to be fair, like, I teach at least five of those little girls, and they're and and so the reality of that, yeah, yeah. like the, it to me it was not. I was like, yeah, no, I know that kid. Always I goes to the heck and back. Absolutely <laughs> know that kid. I know that kid intimately. I know that child. I've taught them. They're they are. It. I don't know. It was. It tickled me. Her. Bye. Every time she leaves that scene, I. You know. I, again, I. I. I it, well, it the hit. hunky boys. The hunky boys. Everyone oh care for gosh. hunky boys. Perhaps oh, I do. Do I? <laughs> no, my hunky boys. <laughs> it's also it's been so long since I've had such a highly quotable movie, and that's a gift. To have a quotable movie is a gift. So I just it it tickled. It checked every single one of my boxes. It was just redonkulous enough. Um. I appreciate the low budgetness of it. I I like the director. I have liked uh, I liked the void. I liked you know some of some of their other works. And so, no, it it just it hit everything I needed it to hit. It yeah. was basically like the void crossed with like a Power Rangers. Yes. Yeah. Like my, my particular quote about it was like it's early Peter Jackson mixed with Lilo and Stitch and Power Rangers. Yeah. With oh, the, with wow. production design of Power Rangers in a good way. It, 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 <laughs> The way the creatures looked were straight. Like, like, Meteor Pulse is a pop in at one point. The guy even looks like Zed. The Lilo and Stitch is, is dead on. And Lilo and Stitch, when I was younger, was one of my favorite Disney movies. It's like, it's like when I was watching, it's like, this is Lilo and Stitch, yeah. but like violent. But like More violent. violent. Yes. More violent. <laughs> like, kind okay, of my doggy has turned, turned a person apart. Yeah. Turning, it's turned someone into a brain. <laughs> well, I, I, I won't the, uh, deny that I actually agree with you guys on a lot of these points. There's a lot that I enjoyed out of it, too. And uh, not the least of which is I think that just as a, um, uh, from a technical and creature making standpoint and also breathing life into those creatures, I thought it did a very, I mean, you know, Psycho Gorman is a fucking hysterical comic <laughs> character. That's a brilliant comic conception. I just Wearing could, his Alan I just couldn't costume. Yes. <laughs> I just couldn't get past sharing that with female Donald Trump. That was, <laughs> uh, 
Other than that, I'm really on the well, same. Did you ever page. see the Silent Night remake they did a few years back? No. Yes, no, I the, did. It's I'll like they yes. made the kid the yes. main character. And I, I loved that kid. Yep. <laughs> she was such a shit. Maybe that's it too. I have an appreciation for shit kids. <laughs> but those are mommy's hard pills. Like I, I like shit kids because it's real to me. And there is something about like the shittiest little child. No, but it's 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 it doesn't bug me the way it should partially because I don't know some of those really shitty kids are also really awesome kids. They're just shits. Um, no, I I I that, I that girl was one of my favorite characters. I love that. I love her. Anyway. All right, Tony. Tony. Oh, number three. Um, number three, I think, is on the same list as someone else's, which is, uh, or the same as someone else's, which is the tragedy of Macbeth. Yes, dude. Boom. Yes. I yeah, I just was absolutely. Um, I, I went to this thinking this is going to be of quality because uh-huh. a it's directed by Joel Cohen and b it's based on Shakespeare. Shakespeare you know. <laughs> It's not like you know. It's it's not like oh, here's this uh, Michael Bay script. It's amazing. Yeah. Or this Roland Emmerich script. It's a dynamite. Uh, but no, well, it's the new one where he gets the magic Wilson gets a bunch. Yeah. Of there you face. go. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But um, we diverge. Um, I just was really floored by the cinematic oh. nature of this movie. It is, it, and again, I I'm gonna preach this, and I it's destructive to preach this probably because we're in the middle of a freaking global pandemic. But um, this is another movie that I really appreciate having seen it in a theater. Yeah, no, um, I, I'm so happy that we yeah, saw it in theaters. Um, it is shot in expressionist black and white uh-huh. um, with with a definite eye of influence in the direction of Orson Welles's um, Shakespeare adaptations from the 40s and 50s. Uh-huh. Um, those films like visually you can really tell that Cohen and his creative team were looking at those and I appreciated that it wasn't it, it wasn't one of those things where it felt gratuitous or you know calculated it just was uh, it just was a solid organic influence on how beautiful the movie was visually and that's not even getting to the performances which I think are phenomenal I, I Francis McDormand I I love her in everything, but I haven't seen her play a character like this. No, this was in this a was long unique, time. Unique for her, I think. A in a long while. time, um, and I adored her work in it. I also loved. I, I thought Denzel Washington was terrific, mm-hmm. and I think that one of the things I loved is that he is starting to let himself age, mm-hmm. and he is embracing that, and he is incorporating that ragged, rugged wisdom onto the characters that he's playing. When, um, one of the choices I really liked, and you do have a mixture, it is is a, a mix of British and American cast, yeah. which I thought was really smart. And I, and I was impressed with how they how they meshed as an as an ensemble. Well, and, and I I don't know if this is intentional or not, but Macbeth and Lady Macbeth were Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, Duncan and Duncan's sons were Brits. And again, I do not know if that was an intentional casting choice to have that little bit of. Uh, 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 of showing, but um, one of the things that I th- that really stuck with me is is how he treated the witches. Yes, and it was played by a single actress. She's um, a stage actress, in, and she's British. And 
the contortions that she sometimes oh got my into. god yes and also without spoiling anything as far as the visual presentation of this oh. particular witch or witches I should say witches it is it, it's so imaginative that mm-hmm. when you're watching it and you see it happen it's just like wow it it, it it's stunning and and I mean again Shakespeare my postgrad work with Shakespeare I I have an affection for a well-made Shakespeare film yeah. um, even a not so well-made Shakespeare film I appreciate trying yeah. uh, and and I saw the Macbeth that was done a, a handful of years ago with with um, Michael Fassbender and uh, I, I didn't hate that one but they were playing everything so naturalistically it's kind of dull everybody whispered all their lines because you know <laughs> we're, we're, we're being very natural so it's a movie full of whispering these lines and after a while you're just like oh my god speak uh, up please I, Project, I, damn it! I appreciate the theatricality of this because yeah. of how they they approached it, and it was also very brisk. Yes, there was the, the, it's it an was, hour and forty some minutes, yeah. which is like a hiccup by Shakespeare standards. Well, to be fair, this is his shortest tragedy, mm-hmm. so it but should still, run there's brisk, some condensation. But it it was there. very smartly cut, yeah. and it's a very. I feel like even even given the style it's presented in, I feel like it's a very accessible Shakespeare film. I agree. Because it is, it is very clear. It is very straightforward. The acting is easy to follow. The plot, even though it is highly stylized, the plot is easy to follow. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is one that would be... Because Macbeth is taught in high school classrooms, and I feel like this should be... Uh, this would be... In fact, I remember when I first saw it, we, we watched... Um, the 70s one. The Polanski um, one? The Polanski one in, in my high school classroom. And honestly, I would show this one over that. I think of all I the seen this yet, so adaptations <laughs> of Macbeth that I've seen. And Macbeth is a personal favorite of mine. This is this is f- far and above the yeah. best adaptation I've ever seen. Yeah, and I really look forward to watching it. Yeah, so it's, I, uh, it's terrific. Yeah, my wife wants to watch it, so we're waiting. And funny enough, uh, didn't you play a witch in a play with my wife? And she <gasps> oh, she the gangway in Macbeth! Yes, I did. Yeah. Uh, I keep forgetting that we didn't realize this till after you yeah. and I met that um, we I was one of the quote unquote witches. It was this this readaptation of Macbeth, and uh, the, the but essentially like a tryout for the play to play. Yeah, full. yeah, it yeah. was it was it was um, for Ghostlight. In yeah, Ghostlight, they they used to do this like Battle of the Bards yeah. or something where you would have uh, you would do like a. a short chunk of the play and whoever got the most money raised would get their play produced so um it was a a like kind of gangland style i don't know chicago or something like i, did, I wasn't there i just course. remember <laughs> i was no i was one of the quote-unquote witches but we were like cabaret dancers basically and uh I don't know, it was it was a cool idea. It was it was the script was fun. I was kind of bummed that we didn't get to go further with it, but I forget that that's where Allison and I were actually in that production. Yeah. Bob's wife, <laughs> and this was before Bob and I met. Because <laughs> we were talking after crypt- well, I was I was t- showed Allison a photo of you or something at uh, for Crypticon. She's like, oh, I was in play with her. <laughs> yeah, well, because it's funny. I have uh, it's, I will show these two as we keep talking, but like. Um, it's it's uh yeah it, it's Macbeth has always been Macbeth is my go to to teach um to younger kids too because the plot is so straightforward yeah, it is very boom, boom, boom. that and when I, yeah. yeah that when I when I'm when I'm teaching Shakespeare to like to 
eight, nine, ten year olds, I use a version of a Macbeth script because it's 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 very easy to grasp, and they like to pretend. Yeah, it's not too twisty. You don't have the background in it like the Henry movie, like yeah. Henry one. Yeah, there's you don't have to have this convoluted history understanding. It's just it just is. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. yeah. Absolutely loved it. Um, and I think it is. I, I would I would agree with you. I mean, I really love Polanski's Macbeth, but I think that um, this one is such a solid, lean piece of filmmaking. Without the baggage of the director. <laughs> that, yeah. that too, that helps. Um, that I just think it's yeah. it, it's it's kind of almost the opposite of what people expect Shakespeare to be. They expect Shakespeare to be dry and stuffy. It's the three witches. <laughs> Um, we're all too bad we're not like filming this, I know, I was that like, was pretty this rad is, this um, is, nobody can see this but them there you go. Yeah. So and Bob's case. not going to edit so all of yeah. our ramblings will be gone <laughs> um, uh, and I have completely lost my tangent as far as what I was talking about so I think we can all agree licorice pizza Polanski approved alright yeah tragedy of Macbeth it is terrific uh, it is accessible. It's the opposite of what you expect Shakespeare to be, at least if you're not enlightened enough to realize how much Shakespeare rocks. Yeah. Um, this is a good. This is a good case in point, and I agree totally that I think it's super would click with younger people mm -hmm. getting into Shakespeare. It's it's like I would put it easily in the top three or four oh, Shakespeare's absolutely. that would be like the perfect gateway drug cinematically mm -hmm. for Shakespeare. Absolutely. That one and like Henry V has always been that for me too, just because I think it is so. It, it's very made, patriotic. Well, but it's made for a big screen. It is. No, it is. It's and epic. That's, it's epic. Yeah. yeah. So, I, we can talk about others too because there are plenty. <laughs> um, but we are rambling massively. Um, number, my number, number three was Psycho Gorman, so I'm going to pass back to Cody for number two. Number two was uh, West Side Story. <gasps> Which is my number two as well. Yay! So, yeah. <laughs> I loved it. It was so Shakespeare. <laughs> well, I will full on say too, like, I have not seen it in theaters yet, partially again, because I have some conflicting feelings about it. But I, I want to hear your guys' take. I absolutely adored it. I, I, I saw it uh, with my mom, mm -hmm. and um, it's just so damn well made. Yeah. It's like the sets are great, the world really feels alive, because I watched the, the old one to kind of you know, get ready for it. Where the older one definitely has some good stuff going for it, but this one just about shines it. It actually feels like a real world that you're in. The music's great. Uh, the colors, the cinematography. Um, the only thing I really didn't care for was uh, Ansel Elkort. Oh, is that because he's problematic or just because he's, he's kind of... He's the blandest person he's, in this he, show. No, yeah, he is. He's, 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 like, he's like the wonder like, bread yeah. of, you know... Yeah, I'll let Cody finish his thoughts for He's I what... Put mine out. Jason Clark. You, <laughs> <think> <laughs> you know what though? I would watch Jason Clark over him. Hell yeah! If that tells wow. you, any, yeah. Well, to be fair, again, Jason Clark is also like ninety nine percent less problematic than this guy, so there is that. Yeah, so and that is some of my issue with. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I was thoroughly impressed. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll build on what Cody said and say like yeah, like I'm a big fan of the nineteen sixty one version it's think it's one of the I best musicals of all time yeah um and this is beats it in every single category uh it's it's it has so like tony kircher's new script has so much more weight to it uh it ha both has the you know the addition of like 
that one taking place contemporarily and this one having 60 years of history after it in the same way that like uh, Anthony or Little Women has uh, where you're seeing it from our perspective then um, but also just you get the deeper world of, of what's going on like and that one is just you know Sharks versus Jets you don't have the background you get that yeah yeah you have these random white kids and you got the, the Puerto Rican kids and this this feel, the world feels way more filled in without having over over explained but with over explaining it to make it like to, to make it have more just so you really feel the electricity behind Bernardo and what he's doing and riff especially especially riff riff is fantastic um, and like so you have a lot more depth to the characters and the way they interact mm. and the way it builds it's, it's just it just the energy is in the air way more uh, than the original and you have that larger world where you're seeing like uh, yeah, you're in all these more ruined areas where the Terran, they're much more clear that this entire area is being torn down soon. So they're fighting over nothing. They're fighting for nothing but their own egos. Um, and one thing it's a great choice that the Puerto Ricans don't really want to deal with it. They're like, yeah, we're, we're, we're working. And uh, there's this great line we're talking about uh, where, uh, not Krupke, but the um, lieutenant he, who's always with, is talking to Riff and the gang and uh, for the sharks and saying, um, Jets and saying like saying like you were the kids who never left like all your families have all moved on like you're the white kids who are left over because your parents are gonna get your shit together and there's that so there's that more of the energy where there's a lot more resentment between the groups in that way uh, I think the the music works lands so much tends a lot better um, the choreography it, there's less choreography but I think it, it starts more uh, the re moving things around I think I don't know about saying exactly how things flow. I think it flows a lot better as a story where the strong structures are. I think Brandon went back to the 1957 version to uh, to make that because the 1961 things moved around. Yeah, that's true. Um, then, yeah. as, as you mentioned, the cinematography uh, from... It's the same cinematographer as um, Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan. Mm. And the, the Technicolor pops so much compared to the dark black. So you've got these very bright brights and these very deep blacks that make it this absolutely gorgeous to look at, but this mm. desolation uh, among, amongst everything they're going through. Uh, so I said, yeah, uh, the least interesting person is Ansel Elgort. <laughs> but honestly, Tony and Maria, to me, are yeah. always the least interesting yeah. part everything of West Side Story. Everything around them is built up yeah. so much. The role plays Anita is... She's Oscar worthy. Yeah, and so is yeah. so is Rita Moreno. So I don't know yeah, which one I want to root for because Rita Moreno is yeah. god amazing in that too. But I kind of want like Anita to like. It's weird. Like I want one of them to be nominated mm-hmm. and win, whether it's Rita Moreno for the same movie, sixty years apart, or two different people playing Anita, sixty years apart. Mm-hmm. Either one, I'll be happy yeah. with. Yeah. And the they expand like in this. There's so much. Yeah. There's so much more going on. You just feel this energy between them. And usually Allison doesn't talk about movies when they're coming. She's like, oh, it's fine. We'll talk about. She. We spent the entire time talking about talking about it for the next hour because that's how much it in, in, got her, and I yeah we were both crying we were both like and the the way it expands the world so like Stonheim saw it before he passed and said he liked it better than sixty one once he felt more of a world he felt the old one was like a film film play and this one was a film and I completely agree with Sondheim in that way and I've been ranting forever so uh, go ahead no I it's and again it's one that I do want to see in theaters I I'm very very torn because I have a very uh, conflicted relationship with this musical because when I was younger it was it was a um it it was one that I was exposed to and and very much enjoyed and uh as as I grew and and just learned more um it's a it's a problematic film it's a problematic musical period yeah it is a full-on problematic musical and I think 
my conflict, like, let's put Anzal What's-His-Butt aside. Yeah, like, that not come out to after the film. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, like, all... it's, it's kind of unfair That's... to me to yeah. be to be pointing to it's, him it's where it was like... It's different between hiring Kevin Spacey now exactly, than something yeah. he already filmed. <laughs> and I've never, he's never been somebody I particularly like, so I'm just like, yeah, that tracks. Um, my conflict comes from, I'm like, if there's anyone who I kind of want to see a big epic musical from, it is Spielberg. Because, like, dude, this guy would understand that both kind of old Hollywood with the, the, the eye of, of keeping something current. The conflict I have is that, like, I don't know that two white men should still have been the ones to tell this story. And talking to some theater friends of color, they have express similar sentiments so it's it's one where i'm like i do want to see this in theaters i just have a lot of really conflicting feelings about like should these have been the people mm. telling this story yeah. again because yeah so yeah. that's that's I, I know that they worked a lot with focus groups and you know community groups so that's, 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 that doesn't excuse excuse that but i think it does go a little bit because it's definitely not round faces time even well no i mean it's it's like but but, but they also like you know only one of the actors one of the lead actors is puerto rican and that is the anita the others are not and i know that is something that that has been talked about they're like but definitely the the sharks are way more sympathetic than the jets completely they were originally and they definitely more so like we're definitely supposed to see them as it just it it, it just again it just comes down to who giving somebody else a chance to tell a story that yeah. is authentic to them versus two not just two white men but two old white mm. men again yeah telling a story and it's it's I, I it is it is something that that and I will hopefully have more to say once I've actually seen the movie I'm saying this fully saying I have not seen the film yet um I I just that is something that I in film in theater, um, when you are telling diverse stories, the person who is is telling it, like I don't know. Um, I I guess the only thing that I can that I think one thing that kind of pops into my mind as we talk about this um, is the fact that the West Side Story was composed by Leonard Bernstein sure. and was a piece of work that was crafted by white yep. men yep. telling this story. Yep. So for me, I, I and again, I, I you know, I, I don't think that it is, it, you know, totally excusable by any means. In fact, I think it would be ideal. It would have been wonderful to see somebody who was a, a person of color make that movie, especially a Puerto Rican person. Mm-hmm. The outlook that they would have had, that the sensibility they would have brought to that that this very classic and staid standard story that, that is basically part of the cultural, the, the collective cultural mythos in a huge way, taking that and breathing new life into it and making it something fresh. Mm-hmm. So yes, I can see all of that. That said, Spielberg doing a musical, that's like, wow. I know, but that's where I'm like, there's so many other and, musicals yeah. he could have picked that yeah. equally would yeah. have deserved the treatment of being reinvented by Spielberg. Apparently it's just, he had an eye on this since he started making films and finally, was finally able to do it justice. Doesn't mean, doesn't, of course, we excuse it. But Which again, okay, old white dude. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The yes. story you felt you had to tell. Yes. 
was the story <laughs> of someone else. Yeah. Of someone. I mean, I just, I, 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 again, I, 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 because I hate people who talk about movies like this who've not seen it. So it's where I'm also just like, I shouldn't be talking right now. I have not seen the movie yet. It's just, it is a thing that I, I think should be noted and when some of the people are complaining about not more people seeing this i'm like maybe <laughs> maybe this is part of it is that there's i i have spoken to a lot of people similar to myself who are just like i have conflicting feelings about seeing this like i i do want this the musical theater nerd in me wants to see it but i'm also just like <sighs> okay more old white men sorry no no i i totally i fully uh, I, I fully understand and am, am <clears throat> excuse me, frog in my throat, and am fully uh, on board with, honestly, the preponderance of, <clears throat> excuse me, what you are conveying. All right, that moves on then. Uh, Kim, what's your number two? Oh, shit. That was uh, his and my number two. <laughs> uh, my number two is The Medium. I haven't seen this. Um, told me about it. I did. It. Oh man, this movie. It 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 messed me up a little bit. <laughs> uh, it is what I sort of envision when people talk about the impact The Exorcist had on them. And I saw The Exorcist late. I saw The Exorcist in my 20s. And by that point, I saw it and I was like, eh, it's a cool movie. It's not scary. It's not particularly. I mean. A lot of things didn't hold up as well, and 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 I I like it messed. I remember my dad, who is very Catholic, talking about how The Exorcist really messed him up. And the the basic premise of the medium is that you have this documentary team who goes to Thailand um, to film this this woman Nim, who is a medium, and in her family uh, there is a local deity who um, kind of embodies the women in this family and is passed down. So, like, her grandmother had the spirit in her, and, and then her aunt was was the carrier of the spirit, and then um, her older sister was supposed to, to become the next shaman, the next medium. And her older sister didn't want it, so she, like, moved to the city and converted to Christianity. So she took on um, and became the, the, the shaman. And... Nim travels to the city um, because her sister's husband passed. And so she's there for the service, and the documentary crew follows along and witnesses her niece, Ming, um, behaving oddly. And initially they're like, well, maybe she's the next chosen one for to, to be the next, the next shamaness, and they... they kind of devolve from there to realize something much more menacing is 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 haunting her and part of what was so like it is a hard movie to watch because it is filmed as a documentary and it is treated as a documentary it feels very very real so when shit starts to get bad and um a big thing for my fellow friends out there who struggle with some animal stuff, there is a really, really rough scene with the dog. When when things get bad, it's bad. Um, but it it just... Man, this movie hit me. 
Uh, it's the same. It's the same screenwriter that did The Wailing, which mm. is another favorite oh, of mine, yeah. mm. and and is another one that again is 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 hard to watch at times, but but really left an impact. The director directed, uh, I think it was Shutter, um, yeah. back in what two thousand four or something like that. Uh, it, it was really exceptionally done, and um, is is one that uh, uh, again I'm still thinking about. And so that it is, it is stuck with me very much. So if you've not seen it, I, I recommend it. Um, is it uh, where is it? Streaming? Shutter. Shutter, streaming on Shutter. Oh wow! Uh, it's long. It's, it's. I think it's over a little over just a, a hair over two hours. And again, it it is not one that you're going to watch and be like, "Wow, that was a fun movie." Uh, it, it is hard to watch, but it is it is really exceptionally done and and very um, disturbing in a way that you're like, "That's good." I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome, yeah. It's you, it's on my list now, man. Jeez. Um, so my number two is, um, you know, this is like the second documentary on my list, um, but I was completely and utterly gobsmacked by and delighted by The Summer of Soul, nice. um, mm-hmm. which is a glorious documentary about the... It's basically a... Um, a compilation of sort. Well, I mean, it's it's a legitimate. It's a cohesive, slightly less than two hour documentary that's been made out of the five day cultural Harlem Cultural Festival of nineteen sixty nine. It showcases uh, musical acts, literally some of the most important musical acts of the twentieth century, um, inarguably operating at the peak of their powers. And it also documents the entire swirling world of Black America at the same time, because you all—it's basically I—I I think that this movie is better than Woodstock. It is. I think it is. It is what Woodstock would be if if Woodstock was like really plugged into the heart and soul of individuals on a gut level, rather than kind of the flower power cliches that. Woodstock represents, um, but um, <clears throat> I mean, you have Stevie Wonder, you have Sly and the Family Stone, and if you are a fan of Prince and you've never heard Sly and the Family Stone, you'll never hear Prince the same way again. After you hear Sly and the Family Stone, hmm. um, I just it's there's an incredible amount of of um, just the one of the great things about art is the way that it can soothe and galvanize and motivate. Um, humanity when things are at their worst and when this when this um, festival happened in 1969 shit was real it was fractious and ugly um, culturally especially if you were a person of color and the the one of the most glorious things about this is it really this documentary which is so nicely compiled and directed by Questlove one of the best things about this documentary is that It really encapsulates and captures um, the ability of art to heal and soothe the masses in the most adverse, excuse me, adverse conditions that human beings could be living in. Um, I just, I I, I just, it just totally blew me away. And it's, and hats off to Questlove. He really did a great job of putting this together. He had, you know, four days worth of footage and he whittled it down to less than two hours it does make me want more. I think there's a mini-series in the making. I think uh, as much as I love it, what I've watched so far, we've got a documentary of the Beatles 
that's basically six hours, and it's mm, everything okay. short of them every time they farted in the studio for <laughs> Let It Be. But um, I, I, I could totally see a miniseries out of this. And one of the other wonderful things is some of the audience members who were like just teenagers at the time, there are interviews with them from today, um, and these are people who became teachers and activists. And you can see the seeds of that inspiration growing in this festival and how it's manifested in these people. I just, I just think it's a glorious piece of work. I would love more of it, and I'm going to stop blathering now because we need to get to your number two. Well, I, I saw it, so I have to comment on it. Oh, uh, please. Yes, yeah. sorry. Funny, one of the uh, one of those crowd people, Ken Forey. Seriously? <laughs> yeah, someone's found a still with him, and he's like, someone sent him a message, like, is this you? And he's like, yep. No <laughs> way. Wait, I don't believe that he only responded with one word. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. Uh, but yeah, though, no, Perry no, oh Kenfori is one of the crowd people. Holy um, shit! Yeah. That is That's so cool. Awesome. But, but, but like, like you mentioned, like the I, one thing I really loved about it wasn't just a straightforward like here's you know these five days of festival, uh, which is funny. Like the I, I like the story behind the um, the the story because they they filmed it and then they lost the funding and it went mm. to a, it went mm-hmm. to a basement yeah. for a while. Yep. Then they found it and almost made a documentary ninety three and then they lost it again and then they found mm-hmm. it again and then finally it came out. But I did like the not just presenting you know the in nineteen sixty nine but also the updates of yeah. both the both yeah. the contract goers and the and the and the. Uh, you know, and the and the artists, yeah, and every how it all came together and how it affected, um, yeah, I thought it was a fantastic documentary that it, uh, yeah, you said everything so well, especially that and like that I do second that is an amazing mm. film. It ended up in my number eighteen, so it ended up very Ooh, high, I, close yeah, to that the top, yeah. And I mean, I I yeah, I I'm really glad, and I I really think it's one of those it's one of those. Um, one of the things I like about it and admire about it a lot, kind of you know piggybacking on what you were saying is that it, it, it feels like you drops you into the middle of it and it doesn't it's not the whole thing isn't the standard you know yeah, I was like I had an idea talking head, I went talking, to head, this, head yeah. talking head exactly yeah. it's like the, the the footage plays through there's a little you know there's there's interstitial footage that just really gives you a sense of who the you know who this crowd is and where they are um, it, it's it's a really great piece of documentary filmmaking so hats off to Questlove I would love to see him do more of these or do a mini series yeah it's, it's, worth, it's worth noting that's like a second highest rated movie this year on Metacritic if I remember right from last yeah. year um, it's one yeah it's one of those movies that I think it's every, on Hulu so it's easy to find well yeah and also I think it's one of those movies that I, I don't think anybody could dislike it yeah it up number two after uh, 96 yeah that's, that doesn't that surprise almost perfect review but anyway after Covetus Ada but um, enough about my number two my number two is also West Side Story um, so I already said my my bit so before we get to our number ones that maybe we can go around and say a couple um, uh, honorable mentions that might end up be someone's number one so it was, so it's like we did for the dishonorable mentions kind of just on our own then we can get to our thing so I wanted to note uh, Shiva Baby uh, is a fantastic um, anxiety comedy in the same way of um, un- Uncut Gems and uh, Serious Man and Krisha. I don't think Krisha's really a-, a comedy, but same idea of like just this 
this is it's the energy of a horror film in a not horror movie. It's on my DVR, but I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, and it's only like 70 minutes long, so it's nice oh, and like short. That. <laughs> uh, there's, uh, you already mentioned The Vigil, but I was going to mention it with a couple of similar movies. Uh-huh. Uh, the Vigil, The Night House, and The Night. Uh-huh. Uh, actually, all end up landing next to each other. I mean, because okay. they come out the same way, all kind of reinventing similar premises, but done in a completely new manner. Um, Antlers, I really loved. And, uh, yeah, and, Antlers uh, was good. And a non-horror way, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar is a wonderful absurdist comedy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's all I was going to mention. Uh, and the gin I can put in with, uh, you can toss in with the Vigil Night House and the Night as like this group of four really well-made small horror films. Tick, tick, boom. I, I would put uh, VHS 94. Ratma! Oh, damn, Ratma! Oh, who doesn't love Ratma? Oh, God. I want, um, I want a pet Ratma. Honestly, the Forever Purge. Oh man, that's solid. That was solid. I enjoyed the hell out of that movie. I was really shocked because, like, the last one was kind of flimsy. They're fun. They're fun. There's no subtle like it is where those movies are where subtlety goes to die. But like, they're good time. Yeah. Yeah. Godzilla vs Kong. (laughs) Oh, I loved Godzilla vs Kong. Yeah. No, I really, really did. Squid Game in general. I thought that was fun. It's it's I know, I need to I watch that. Right now. I liked it. It's on my list, I just haven't gotten there yet. That's all my honorable. Uh, I did want to go back to one more honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Tick, Tick, Boom is an amazing musical. Talking about from Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, I highly recommend it. Cool. I don't even like Rent. And some, it's about Jonathan Arson. I hate Rent, but I loved this. But, it's well done. It's yeah. well done, yeah. Um, I have, again, a, a number of kind of TV-ish or longer series on my honorable mentions. Um, Yellow Jackets, if y'all have not seen that, Stop what you're doing. Go watch it. It's amazing. Uh, and messed up in, like, the best possible way. A, a girls' soccer team that, that goes down, uh, or their plane goes down, and, and it jumps back and forth between the 90s and, and the current time. And, I don't know, there's some cannibalism. It's a good time. Um, the Chucky TV series has been so... <laughs> like, that has been the... If honestly, if we were including TV series in our lists, then that may have been my number one for 2021. It has been such a motherfucking delight. I did not know I could have so much fun with something that also just, not just is funny, but is so honest to God, like full on horror and, and walks that line between the two perfectly. Uh, Midnight Mass, which I have a feeling we're going to be talking more about, so I'm just going to throw that out there and move on. Um, Come From Away, which was a film stage show, so I wasn't really, I didn't really count it as a full-on movie, but uh, it is, it is, it is genuinely just brilliant and beautiful and heartwarming and funny and sweet and makes you maybe not hate people so much. (coughs) Willy's Wonderland. God bless the cage of songs that's happening right now. Titan, I have just so many feelings about, and no one else has seen it, so I can't share these feelings. I'm, I don't know what I felt, but it happened. And then a movie called Howard's Mill. That was this little like no budget found footage movie that I thoroughly enjoyed. Those are my honorable mentions. Cool. Well. Um, one of my honorable mentions is definitely one that's already had some gotten some love here, and that's Candyman, which yeah. I really adored. I thought it was terrific. I also really appreciated the fact that the end felt like it totally gave in to kind of almost formula horror absurdity, but it also seemed to be very knowing about when it did that, and that's a very 
rare balance to take. Um, uh, speaking of horror movies, another one that I really liked, and I don't know if anybody else had a chance to see this, um, was Sator. S A T O R. I didn't like Sator. Um, I enjoy, I really enjoyed it. I'm a sucker for something that is slow burn and ambiguous and atmospheric and snowy. Um, it was snowy. And so for me, it really it, it hit a lot of high notes. Uh, and last but not least, the other honorable mention I wanted to mention, and I almost feel like I just better see more movies this year than I did this, or yeah, this year than I did last year because um, I'll have to take this off of the top ten for 2022, which it technically is maybe right now. Um, is Strawberry Mansion, which I saw at SIF and I think is absolutely wonderful. Um, I almost want to expound on it a lot, except you know I might, you know I might not see ten movies that are better than it this year, and I don't know. It comes out theatrically there you uh, January twenty second or yeah. something. I I would say um, give it give it a look. I think it's phenomenal. Yeah. I also saw it at SIF and I really enjoyed it. <clears throat> All right, so that brings us to our final round, our number ones. Uh, and we'll start with, on our right, we have Cody. Cody, what's your number one? Midnight Mass. <laughs> damn right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I honestly... I just, it's just so I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I only, because I was being a purist like Tony and, yeah. and sticking to um, your more traditional cinematic, but oh my I, I, God, yeah. that yeah. show. Dude, well, I think yeah. Sorry. Let, let Cody talk. Yeah. And then, then we can go around. <laughs> I loved it. It was so... Great. The characters were great. They really captured that. It it very much had influences, definitely from like Salem's Lot. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing the basically just how fucked up the plot is. Mm-hmm. It's just so nice. So <laughs> nice. I loved the the atmosphere on it. Uh, I thought the effects were well done. I thought yeah. that they really it it did. Definitely take a couple episodes to get going, mm-hmm. but once it hits there, you know, mm-hmm. that last episode was insane. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love the design of the angel. Mm-hmm. I love the. We're gonna get into spoilers territory. Yeah, yeah this I, one, I think everyone's watched it. They haven't. Mm-hmm. Tony, have you watched it? Yes. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Just that aspect of misinterpreting what is clearly a fucking <laughs> vampire. But hey, <laughs> he gave me powers. I'm in the Holy Land. It makes sense from him. And and the description of angels is something terrifying. Yeah. yeah. And, do um, not, like, be not afraid. Is what they be say not afraid. Yeah, him. no. It, it, it weirdly does make complete sense. Hemish. Um, oh. Linklater. Yeah. Linklater. Yeah. Linklater. Linklater. Oh, oh my God. give such a weird like performance that would not normally work, but it's just... It works. It, 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 he, he just... He's like engaging. he knew that character and uh-huh. he knew what it needed to be and it just worked. I think he's... Yeah, I think he's... And honestly... I'm right there with Kim on this. If I was not such a feature film purist, this would definitely be on there. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the best written things that I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't agree more. I, just, I, I think it's phenomenal. I loved how they basically used it as like the vampire blood is like a, um, a, a cure all, but yeah. like it, yeah. you, you drink too much of it, it kills you. Well, it's, Except it's Bev the... poisoned the, the Bev, yeah. Uh, she put yeah. the antifreeze or whatever in the or the rat poison and everyone them so had made them die. <laughs> well, and both that combination of I mean, like I'm I'm a retired Catholic, so like this. Yeah, no, it hits you as yeah. someone who, who coming out of Catholicism, it 
it hits on some stuff where you have both that like almost cultish nature of of some of it as well as um uh, the the allegory of addiction yeah yes <laughs> in a very good it way. was so great to see how their own hubris like mm-hmm. burning down that entire town yeah and then Oh, shit. Thank <laughs> God that they got through. And then they're like, well, fuck, we don't have a backup plan, which yep. is Judgment Day arrived and mm-hmm. it wasn't correct and everybody burned to death. And, and I like that a lot of people. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was like, it is a slow burn. I know that was a criticism from some people, but. I, I thought it went straight. It was. I, thought it, it, I thought it landed immediately. Yeah, what? and I, I was like. Oh, like, sorry. It, it has. I mean, it's a master class in. There's so many monologues, and and yet it's always so compelling, and every single actor, and and Linklater, to be fair, I think he has a lot of them. He has a lot of speeches, he has a lot of monologues, and and if you look into, I mean, his his mother is is a a, a big speech person in the the theater world, (laughs) and so it makes sense that he has this command of of, uh, how to give a compelling speech, but like... I kind of didn't care how long some of, some of these characters were talking. Yeah. They were so riveting, so compelling. I wanted to hear everything they had to say. And it was a master class in, in acting and film acting and, and, and being... Like, nobody's yelling, screaming. Like, you don't need to. It's so subtle and so beautiful. Yeah, yeah they, the sheriff, the I thought, was yeah. really... Oh. But, like, on the monologues, like, well, after I finished watching it, I, was, I went back and saw what people were saying. I saw some stuff here and there. People were like... The monologuing, the monologuing, you know, you get into it, then all of a sudden people are talking like, I didn't catch any of that at all because I was completely into it. I really yeah. thought they were saying, and that's, mm-hmm. they were talking about things that were important that wasn't just planning in, just going off. And I think, I think, like, you start to say it a lot, I think it's, it, to me it reads like an adaptation of a Stephen King book that only Mike Flanagan has read. It has, yeah. uh, it has like this, the that, Stephen King, yes. like, wide, like the, the small town going nuts. But with like, these characters you meet for a second before they get killed, or the or these or the you really get an understanding of each of these people as the town starts to implode on themselves with their own hubris, their own failings being taken advantage of by something outside. Even something small like, well, not small, but like even something in, as isolated as The Shining is literally about a, a hotel taking advantage of of Jack. But they also have like needful things or uh, Salem's Lot and things like that, where it's like something comes in and tears these people apart from stuff that's already there mm-hmm. it just makes the rock come quicker and uh but this the, the long monologues these sequences these little bits here and there that build the world uh, this yeah. isolated town which you see a lot from like storm of the century or or gerald's game or uh dolores claiborne stuff like that you know uh it's isolation that tears people apart and just that that moment when that when he walks the angel in, yeah, yeah. And you just see the crowd, the mix of the reactions and mm. amazement, and it's just like this fucking gigantic, you know, pale. Whore, you know, wearing he, robes. Yeah, like, he's wearing he's wearing church robes in the earth. It's, it's, like, it's perverse. And I love it's it. It's perverse. Yeah, it like, is. It is utterly perverse. It, it, see, that seemed to be like a Bentley little awful, but the uh, but like episode six and seven were just so. Insane, but fit. Like it was a build to that, and because once different. the shit starts, I was like, "Oh my it's just god!" <laughs> I was like, like uh, "I would be yelling." Oh my god! I said, "My, you know, my wife and kid were asleep," but you know, because I was watching it alone at night. Because Allison wants to eventually see it 
but I wanted to watch it yeah. in the dark in the right place. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? The right setting. But yeah, I thought the setup, the setup was all there. Like the first two episodes, I was actually completely wrong. Uh, I was yeah, like, I was, I, was, I, I was found like, it compelling. I like the setting. The I see where it's going, you know. Well, and, and what was interesting is that this was something that was impacted by the pandemic, but I think positively because mm. yep. they could not have as many extras on set because of the pandemic, and yet it lends itself to having that that again that much more isolated much more tiny town people have lost work it's people are fleeing if they can if they can move they've moved but those who have had to stay those that have had no choice which makes them feel even more hopeless and even more desperate and so i thought that was such a nice that's a a gift you can't expect that like in order to make this adaptation of what's happening in the world it ended up really helping the story yeah yeah, it's I. It's I, one of I, I think one of the things that really makes um, Mike Flanagan the perfect interpreter of Stephen King is that they very much have the same sensibility when it comes to characters and introducing things that menace and affect these characters. Um, I, he builds characters with such like seamlessness that you feel like they're human beings that you've met. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Yeah, and, and I just, I really have always, like, that's like probably the thing that I admire the most about what Mike Flanagan does. I, I, I greatly enjoy that someone with this kind of focus on character chooses the horror genre voluntarily <laughs> as his main medium of expression because he, he creates characters so well that, that you... Horror civilians watch and appreciate Mike Flanagan's um, television work, mm-hmm. and that's and that speaks like volumes and volumes. Yeah, because like, um, the, the the haunting of Hill House has become a cultural mm, icon. Like mm-hmm. immediately, Blighthouse yeah. didn't land as well, but it's still my land. But and like Doctor Sleep is one of the best movies in the last ten years. Oh my god! Yeah. Yes. And it's like poor Robert Longstreet. In the same week, I watched Halloween Kills. <laughs> yeah. And that, and it's like, oh, dude, yeah, <laughs> it's been a break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I loved that scene he was in that, that, all right, we got to this house. You all stay here. I'm going to go in there. And he just gets fucking wrecked. And then, then, like, in Midnight Mass, you just want to see him go to the mainland and see his sister. And then he's like, I felt so bad for him. Actually, how about if the priest eats me? Yeah. (laughs) I I really liked, like, his character arc of that, of where that's going. Yeah. But it's funny, I got confused because the the, the other handyman looked just like him. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like, Bev's, Bev's, like, best friend dude was like, Uh Did There's just, lots of beards. Did he just die? <laughs> <laughs> he got taller. He got taller, yeah. It's like, wait, did he turn and now he's back, like, helping them? Or, no, 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 it's a different guy. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. So what's your number one, Kim? Okay, I'm going to preface this with um, the fact that, do I think this was the best made movie last this for 2021? Absolutely not. Is this the movie that brought me motherfucking joy? Yes, it did. And that is... Spider-Man No Way Home. This movie, man. Like, and and here's what I'm gonna say. I was not a Spider-Man fan until he joined the MCU. Because I frankly, I, I, I saw the other movies. I was fine with them. But I got kind of bored with the rehashing of the same story over and over. I never felt it to be super compelling. And this little puppy dog, this little <laughs> freaking Tom Holland uh, enthusiastic child bouncing around with so much energy and so much just enthusiasm and love when we first made his appearance in um, Captain American Civil War. 
and this evolution of him getting his own film and being under the shadow of Iron Man to this point where we've had some of the best representation of Spidey bro love. Spoiler alert, the other two Spider-Man show up in this movie! Yeah, I think everyone may have seen it. Yeah, if y'all, if, <laughs> if, if y'all didn't know that, then that's your own fault because... I wasn't spoiled for that, though. I heard rumors, but I did, I did not know until I saw it. Like, Ooh! I was fairly positive just because of the rumors, yeah. but between Willem Dafoe oh, chewing God. on scenery in the most mwah, delicious way and, and our, our Spidey bro love triangle... The yeah! Oh my God! The, 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 the meme, the meme came to life. I almost peed myself when that happened. And and the moment like Andrew Garfield, we're going full on spoilers if I say this next part. Are Fine, we okay? Back. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh sorry. Damn. Maybe hold back. Pull back. Okay. Go, go ahead. The an- okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it this way. The Andrew Garfield moment that I think we all understand. I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. See, I didn't spoil. I just said Andrew Garfield. When he dies? Yes, no. when, he, when he dies and Dumbledore kills him. Dumbledore. No, every, it almost redeems like his bad Spider-Man movies. It, it was, he was always fine. It's the movie. It, it yeah, was the movie. Yeah, the movie the mo- but it, it was such a sweet moment. And I, there was just so much. There was so much about it that I really found so much joy in. And I was anticipating this movie. I was anxious. I was like, is this going to suck? I I was I don't think I could be more pleased with how it turned out and in terms of just a good old fashioned actiony superhero blockbuster and I am somebody I am unapologetically a big fan of the MCU and I was never a big comic book movie person I like the MCU it's it's gotten me to explore more comic book movies which I wouldn't have done otherwise um it was a damn good time. Yeah, it was it was fan like like Ghostbusters is fan service in the best oh, way. Oh, absolutely! That was yes. really loving towards it mm-hmm. uh, without being off putting for yeah. people to just do casually watch the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, bringing back the other Spider Man was a great choice and done well. Done it was, like, so well. It was I was afraid that if they did do it, it'd be like a half a second thing. Yep. Like and like even with the villains, like when the first jumps away and I'm mm-hmm. trying to be too loud for Tony, like, and it's like, are we just going to get like one scene with Doc Ock and get one scene with the Green Goblin? But no, they had the whole thing with it and I love the... Oh my God, and Doc Ock yeah. too. I was just Alfred like... Alfred just absolutely, I've always loved I him. just, it's, I want to give him a hug. together on there oh. and everyone else with them and like, the interaction mm. was solid. It was well written. They understood the characters. It yeah. really felt like a continuation of those characters from those movies without, uh, without, without ruining who they were with and the stuff for, that happened in this for one. As I'm many to be for, for Tony, major characters as you had in that movie, it, it felt them well. They balanced. Them yeah. yeah, and 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 I'm also like, you know, with Doctor Strange, I'm stoked for his movie now. So like, maybe doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It it completely set up his movie and and. There's, and so I, much stuff happens and doesn't feel overstuffed. It like, doesn't feel overstuffed. At one point, like, I looked at my watch and I'm like, oh, I'm only an hour in. There's still an hour and 45 minutes Because it's a movie. long movie. But it doesn't feel it. Like, no. And like nearly everything that when I looked at my watch was in the... Oh, I saw the first show or I didn't see the second show or after mm. I watched the movie. But from the first, when the one show or I did see... Everything in that trailer is in the first like forty five minutes of the movie. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Cool. There's there's very little of it that that like no, I thought they did a really like good a job. There's like shot here and there, but sure. for the, the main stuff in the trailer wasn't spoiled. No, I, I thought they did the a, a really spoiled. excellent job of executing everything, and 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 as much as you can not spoil things, not spoiling 
They they focused the trailers very much focused on the villains that we were going to be seeing, and even then we didn't see all the villains we were going to see. Um, yeah, I I just across the board. I think you have a group of fantastic actors. I think it was it was some redemption for some of them. It was just it was it was a damn good time. Yeah, like and looks like between this and Spider Verse, it's a good like good way for Spider Man just to throw a bunch of Spider Men together. Yeah, <laughs> it, it just it works. It's and I think the personality of Peter Parker lends itself to working in yeah. this environment. And what's really cool about that is it didn't feel like a rehash of Spider Verse. No, it absolutely it, it does didn't. This, uh, almost this kind of the same. Overlap, but sure. completely different ways of doing it without mm-hmm. without feeling it was trying to distance itself nor trying to yeah. be like it just so happened that two Spider-Man movies in the same couple years were Spider-Verse mm-hmm. <laughs> and Enter the Multiverse. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, there yeah. were definitely a couple scenes where I got dusty eyed. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah no, for sure. It really, it just, it, it's again. Do I think it was the best movie that was made last year? No, but is it, is it? What probably brought me some of the most joy. Yeah, yeah I really struggled yeah. with that not putting it higher than nine. I felt I felt like I was short shifting it by putting it at number nine. I'm like, I don't know, this, the other ones kind of landed a little bit more for me, you know. So I kept rearranging my list because I was like, I should put this higher. It was a better movie, but then I was like, but it's I pure lo- joy. It's pure. It's pure joy. It was pure joy for me, and that that one out over. You know, I I, I kept saying, I kept talking about Titan, but I'm like, <laughs> was that movie? Probably the weirdest and most interesting thing I saw. Yeah. Did I enjoy it? I don't know. <laughs> so, Spider-Man wins. All right. That was my number right. one. Yay. Oh, that leads to me. My number yeah. one is probably super predictable to at least one person at this table. Um, but um, the thing that will sway me in terms of deciding um, how much I love a movie <laughs> is how much love of cinema you can see and feel in the presentation and for me um the movie that did that more adroitly than anything i saw this year and that absolutely delighted me in ways i never thought it would was edgar wright's last night in Uh so i just think it is a it's a polyglot genre opus that kind of uh, it cherry picks from late 60s coming of age dramas hitchcock polanski um and Italian giallo cinema, which of course that right there, that last <laughs> element is going to be a form of affection place. for me. It's my happy place, but even above and beyond that, there's so much other magic going on in this movie. I feel like uh, I could see that the person who was making this movie wanted to pull out all of the stops and was <laughs> so filled with with like uh, joy and and creativity at having basically this limitless canvas in front of him. Edgar Wright got a top-flight budget. He got a top-flight A-list cast. um, And some of the... And obviously, basically, carte blanche for the setting, the sets, the costumes, the lighting. This movie, on a technical level alone, I just thought was breathtaking. It's something Um, they do in single shots sometimes. Yeah. How? There are so many many single shots in this movie. Oh, you haven't seen it? I haven't seen it. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely not going to go into spoiler territory at all. Um, If you are a fan of Italian cinema, I could not help but I kept on thinking about Malignant as I watched this Mm. because I thought that so much of what Edgar Wright was doing aesthetically... Ironically enough, feeling a lot less effortful and a lot, a lot more like easy flowing with him in uh, last night in Soho. I, th- I thought that I saw James Wan studying and trying to emulate and do 
and malignant, if that makes sense. I think malignant and then Soho kind of take different takes on the genre like different ends of it oh yeah absolutely <laughs> the I mean, you know so yeah so i mean on on that sense in that sense it's a very broad you know i'm making a very broad comparison but um there i just i i'm a sap for a dark fairy tale and that's exactly what this movie is it is a wonderfully um sumptuous and ravishing dark fairy tale and i've i it's gotten overall favorable critical response. I really am sad that more people didn't get a chance to see yeah. it in a theater. I saw it in a theater, and I honestly mm. think that that's probably the thing that pushed it over the edge for me. This is a movie that is, again, genetically engineered to be um, played on the biggest and grandest of screens. And there is a um, real basic, basic, basic <coughs> plot line. Uh, this involves a uh, young lady who has become a student, a fashion design student at, uh, at a London fashion school and uh, ends up uh, subletting or renting rather a um, flat that is super cheap and there's a reason it's super cheap. Um, she finds herself when she spends the first night uh, at this at, at this flat. She finds herself falling asleep, and when she wakes up or thinks she wakes up, she is in 1969 London. Um, and then it goes from there. Uh, it is again. There's there's a there are a lot of different kind of stylistic homages going on, but in the end, it feels like it feels like Edgar Wright has his own very distinctive sensibility. He's bringing something to it, not the least of which is a little bit a little bit of actually very seamlessly integrated um, commentary on um, sexism. Uh-huh. I was uh-huh. really I was really surprised by that and it does it in a very elegant non-clubbing you over the head way. Um, the scene the first scene where this character played by Thomas and McKenzie and then played in the dreams by Anna Taylor Joy who God, what a luminous presence on screen. Um, the first scene where um, the character walks into, out from their dream, walks straight into 1969 London, I literally gasped and I started tearing up because it just was so beautifully rendered. And I, at that point in time, the movie had its hooks in me great. And I, and I just, I, I loved that it had enough fresh elements to work. And then I also loved that it still had nods to tradition, including the um, non sequitur like logic of real Giallo films. Did you realize is, that uh, when they changed to the past, that it goes from mono, but you front to surround sound? At that point, it was like, oh. yeah. <laughs> it, it's such a very, nice touch. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's very, which is, you know, which again, point. one of the, the laundry list of influences for Wright, obviously, is The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. a real element of that to the movie. Again, dark fairy tale. I just I just loved it. I fell for it so hard. Um, I, I'm just, and it was definitely, hands down, It's it's been my favorite experience in a theater, my favorite theatrical experience. Um, all pandemic. Yeah, when, when I was watching it, I just kept thinking the entire time, I oh, mean, I wish I could see Tony's reaction. <laughs> I wish I could see Tony's reaction. And I think I was messaging as soon as I got out, I was like, dude, Tony, I need to see this like, with you. Oh, Unfortunately, we didn't get the chance to do that. But the entire time I'm just thinking, like, man, Tony needs to see this. I need to watch him watch it. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I really, on the face of it, you think that just in general, because it's Edgar Wright, because he has a lot of cult ca- and geek cachet, you you think that the that the movie would do okay? Um, I 
don't think it's done very well, like most non-action blockbuster movies in the theater. Yeah, I think um, it did okay. I think it probably did better at home. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I don't think the pandemic helped. I mean, yeah. in general, people yeah. are being a lot more selective about what exactly. they're seeing in theaters. Exactly. So if they're not sure on it, they'll they'll wait for something mm-hmm. else. Yeah. So the internals came out the next week, so people were waiting for that. Exactly, yeah. which yeah. is fine, but not so You know, yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, I I love loved obviously that's why number four for me and, and for Kim. number four for me too. The, yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought even like I wanted to note that. You talk about how, how much of the influences it takes from it takes from everywhere. That even though it took from so many things I was familiar with, I wasn't familiar where it was going to go. Yes, it continually yeah. surprised me, and mm-hmm. maybe like so that you know, so how smart Edgar Wright is as a filmmaker is he knows the influences, but also knows the people watching it and what they expect. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it continually surprised me and made me really giddy with that. I'm like, yes, I can't believe that. Yeah. Uh, know that you know, mentioned a couple of amazing actresses, but also mentioned Diana Riggs' last performance. Yeah. Diana Riggs. And, uh, I, I had no I idea just, she was in it, and then I was like, oh, Diana Riggs! Yeah. <laughs> I just, she, and, and you know, it really is, you had, when you actually wrote a, in, on Facebook about it, I think for 100 Days of Horror or yeah. something, you had said, going out on top. And that's yeah. exactly, mm-hmm. and I just, and I mean, you know, Hollywood slash world cinema in general, um, mainstream cinema is just not very favorable for women over 40, to put it very fucking mildly. And to see this wonderful treasure of an actress be able to like really give a great, have have a chance to sink her teeth in a great role that actually, by the end of the movie, demonstrates way more range than you think... Um, it, it, it was just delightful to see her, del- delightful to see Terrence Stamp. I felt yeah. like there was a lot of respectful homage paid, but I also felt like he said, I'm going to bring a lot of these wonderful elements into the modern day. People should see. I, I can understand, oh God, I have to see this Marvel movie on a big screen. I have to see this giant science fiction movie on a big screen. I can underst- They can understand that easily, and I can understand that appeal. This seeing this movie on a big screen has that level of impact. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, it, it split the theaters with Antlers came out the same day. Yeah. But the thing was funny, like when it was when all these first movies were first announced for twenty twenty, uh, it and Millennium just came out on the same day. So it was really interesting having. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. This <laughs> out, like, oh, they were supposed to come out both come out like in mid September uh, of twenty twenty. I think if my day charm. So it's funny <gasps> that if, if like two like Giallo inspired horror thrillers were yeah. on the same day. I'm thinking, like, it's familiar. Which one's going to drop first? And, of course, well, they both dropped out because of COVID. Hollywood, Hollywood <laughs> has a way of doing that anyway. Sometimes even when even when there doesn't appear to be a trend, it's like, all of a sudden there is one. Yeah. Yeah. And I got, I got good, like, almost confused when, for, when news started coming out from both these movies. And, like, I remember seeing James Wan making a giallo thriller. And later on, like, Edgar Wright making it. It's like, wait, I thought James Wan was doing it. Did I get this incorrect? <laughs> it's like, and then I realized, like, oh, no, they're both doing it. And they're just coming out at the same time. But what's interesting is they are both so different. Yeah, they're for very both being, different You know, giallo style. They're, they are very, so, 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 so. Yeah. different. And, um, yeah, uh, uh, the... Uh, it, it's funny because I, I, I talk sometimes with some of my... my fellow female presenting humans um, about movies where you're like, it's focusing on, on a, a, a woman's story, but I can tell it's a man who's driving it. Mm. And there's times where I'm like, I, I wouldn't have guessed if I didn't know better. I would have, I would have been fooled to think that maybe a woman had something to do with this. And, and last night in Soho there, I was like, I wouldn't have been shocked if that was directed by a woman and it wasn't obviously, yeah. but it, it, that for me is a high honor. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, and I, and I do, and again, I think it's a, another. I did case not of, feel that with *Malignant*. <laughs> I, I think there. Well, I think co-wrote there, it with Christy Wilson Carnes. And yeah. that's and there it is. Yeah, yeah there the it is. Nineteen seventeen. Yep. Penny Dreadful and such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know that because I'm looking at it right now. I don't know. No, but that makes complete <laughs> sense to me because it has. There's certain things where I'm like, wow, a dude got that right. That does not happen very often. That makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I and that I, I well I agree. I mean I don't I don't come from the you know vantage point of being equipped with a vagina, but yeah. I do I do agree that I think the movie does a really good job of very elegantly um, interweaving uh, social issues as as part of this broader dark fairy tale. It just does a really good job of that, and um, I I could look at Anna Taylor Joy look in a mirror for like. A half an hour, you know, she's that breathtaking of a presence, and in this movie, definitely also. I uh, yeah, it just and and also, I it just takes I think the perfect tack with the characters in in kind of like a broader sense, like you were talking about horror movies, um, with characters. Um, there's only so much you want to know in the context of of a movie. I mean, if the the characters in Last Night in Soho are not hyper realistic. Really, none of them. Not even the ones in quote the modern day unquote. But you, it, Wright does a good job of defining them just enough to where you feel those details, and to where it does work, and to where you, I mean, it's almost like in a strange way. In a lot of Italian genre cinema horror movies are like this. It's a Rorschach test as much as anything for the person who's watching. Yeah. And so that said, um, I, I really, I, I just adored this movie so much. And I'm just delighted it exists. And I wish everyone could see it on the biggest damn screen they could see it on. I'm glad I saw it on the big screen. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. beautiful on the big screen. Absolutely. Any other thoughts on it before we move on to the last movie? Oh, please. I've been yacking on <laughs> more than right. long enough. And you know what Bob's last movie is? Licorice Pizza? <laughs> no. <laughs> there we go. Uh, I watched Cats again. <laughs> old. He just loved old. Yes. Old is the bottom and the top, but yep. I love it so much it looped. <laughs> um, no, my, my favorite, actually, one movie we actually haven't mentioned at all so far tonight, which I'm really surprised, uh, was uh, the new adaptation of Dune, directed oh, by God, yeah. Denis Villeneuve. I did get a chance to see it. Same. This was the, oh my God, it's 20 bucks to rent it, and it's not in theaters right now, so... Yeah. I just didn't care. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, to each I keep trying to care. <laughs> I want to care. I have an idea and Kim immediately shits on it. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Like, <laughs> I, I want to care more about it. I, I remember watching, my brother was big into the Dune, the the one, the... Um, David Lynch one? Yeah, growing up, that I would see that. And I'm just like... My brother's big into the Dune. <laughs> I just yeah, the Dune. I think it comes he back a little bit to, like, I'm starting, like, movies without... Strong women in them, or a lot of women in them, less and less. I'm just like, eh. but anyway, yeah. yes. it looks cool. <laughs> but there you are many strong women in there that so. a woman directed it and wrote it. Though. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. All French people are women. So. All <laughs> French people are women, and they smoke. Yes, and they smell. Cheese, cheese, surrender monkeys. Anyway, uh, Dune, yeah, I think Dune is an absolute triumph in, in all manners. Uh, it, you know, it's been really hard to adapt this novel. It's the third attempt, uh, fourth attempt, if you count Jodorowsky's. Uh, yeah. Third one to finally finish. Uh, David Lynch's one is 
visually interesting, kind of gets some of the weirdness. It's a drug trip. But it's a mess of storytelling. Yeah. Uh, the but two- Kyle MacLachlan. Yes. Oh, oh it's in his first role. Um, and then the 2000 version on sci-fi tells the story correctly, oh, but it's kind of dull. Um, so it, and this one actually takes it both together. It's, it has the esotericness of Dune and the weirdness that comes out from this old you know, classic sci-fi, along with well-done storytelling, because they know what, like, like, like Lord of the Rings, uh, it knows what details to keep and which ones to cut, uh, so you still get the big feeling and what people love about, about the property compared to... Um, but also, but not alienating the people who are coming into it fresh. The sound, the, all the design are absolutely amazing. The production design, uh, if I'm really between this and Nightmare Alley, what I think might, mm. what what mm. a what a nod at for the like for the award season. Uh, the production design gets the books, uh, gets the feel of it. And Allison, I mean, oh, it's art, a beautiful. I haven't even it, seen yeah, it. All I've seen gorgeous. is trailers and stills, and um, it's just. Yeah, Allison going to be the, uh, the Art of Dune book, and I can't wait to Ooh. look through it. I'm rereading the entire series, and I'm going to do all that first, then I'll read The, the Art of, um, along with the other stuff from the first movie, and this movie, and this, that. Uh, Hans Zimmer's score is really booming and amazing. Uh, the sound design is... It, like, it shakes your soul. <laughs> but but not, <laughs> not because it's loud, but it's just it's so... Everything of it comes together perfectly. Uh, yeah, sound is design... Is Jason Momoa shirtless in it? No. Is Jason Damn it! He's <laughs> uh, Jason Momoa is, is amazing. Like, I think the cast is all perfectly tuned. Uh, it is a good Chalamet. cast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oscar Isaac, we talked about before. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson, who you know was always wowing, especially like a couple years ago in the Sandra's the Hat. Uh, like the cast is just perfection. Everything I think comes out. Um, I can't wait for Dune two. I'm so glad it like I was actually kind of like surprised that like Warner Brothers said forty million was a great opening enough to okay a sequel. I'm like this cost like two hundred million bucks. Okay, <laughs> in a didn't theater they, though. Well, didn't yeah, they the release thing. on HBO Max? The yeah, same the same time. time. I yeah. wonder what the HBO Max numbers were. Yeah, I think that I think it, if I'm right, it's like the th- second or third biggest they ever had after Godzilla. Is it still on HBO Max? Um, I think it comes and goes. I think they okay, do for a month I, on, month off, month on, month off. So, like, I would watch it on HBO Max. Yeah. Well, it comes it comes out regularly and in in like next week, so it might be okay. more available after that for like outside of HBO Max as well. Uh, but no, I yeah, I thought it was it. Just, I, I went to see it on Thursday, and then I went to see it again on that Sunday because I wanted to experience it again. Because it is it is one of those like that's an absolute theatrical experience. I was I know crushed. a lot of people who saw it on HBO Max is like you know what I need to see this big and went to see it in the theater because they needed to to see it in that manner. Uh, it that's, really. The reason I didn't, yeah. I, I didn't. The reason I didn't see it is because I literally wanted to see it on a theater screen. So, yeah, and like, it, I'll watch a bunch of the special, like the like various YouTube videos about why special effects work in wakes. They have the weight, and they they like in order to actually make sure they actually fell the right way. They blasted everything with sand continually, <laughs> so you get that feeling instead of like CGI acting as CGI sand or acting against this. And there's like they made it try and feel as real as possible. The fact, the fact that you know you're watching a CG for like for the for the Thopters and the other and the rest of the world and the Rackus, uh, they did everything they could to make it as natural as possible and not feel like like episode two, you know, like watching a like a George Lucas film. Um, so I think it landed and it, it it was perfection in, in every single way, and I cannot wait for part two. 
Um, yeah, that's my thoughts in Dune. Since I didn't want to saw awesome. it, I guess. <laughs> I really want to see it. I get penis fatigue, <laughs> but uh, it's, you know, no, I mean, but like listening to you talk about it, I, I, I would watch it on HBO Max. Uh, but yeah, like, and there's, there's a lot of, and Jessica is an amazing character. Uh, you know, Zendaya's, uh, Johnny, you'll so see a lot she's in there for like time. 10 minutes? But she has a lot more to do next time. Oh, uh, good. she comes in. Uh, and like, there's so much, and it's, it's also one of the movies that, like, I was talking about earlier with West Side Story of having the history behind it of now between when it was written adds a lot to it because there's a lot more about, um, the... Colonizer, the colonizer, the white messiah, sort of thing. When I mean, the whole thing, like doing itself on the on the whole, is an anti-white messiah story. But it's if you watch only the beginning of the first one, you kind of see, oh, you think this is where it's going, but um, it's a whole that's a whole different issue. But I like the way they approached that. They approached that with you know modern sensibilities, but also didn't feel like it was betraying Dune uh, and what Frank Herbert wrote. So I think it's it really balances out all that. Um, and then I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, so. We just spent like six hours talking about movies. <laughs> I thought this would actually be a lot quicker this time. But you know, long. I had this strange, deluded notion it would be. I thought we'd be done by seven o'clock tonight. Uh, I'll be <laughs> out of eight. here. I'll be out of um, here by eight. But yeah, we've we've poured two long ass bits. Thank you for him for having us for this long. Uh, <laughs> final thoughts before we close up our shop. Jeez, uh, uh, I don't know. I you know I I enjoyed what I saw. I didn't see nearly as much as any of you guys, I suspect, including you, Cody, despite you, to the contrary. Um, but yeah, again, I mean, it just, getting to see at least some of these movies in a theater was, kind of meant the world to me, and I just, I'm, I want this stupid pandemic to get over quick so that everyone could go to the movie theaters again. Yeah. Instead of picking and choosing what you're going to watch, you just go see everything. Exactly. And also, give something that's not a Marvel movie or a big science fiction epic or a big action movie a chance on a big screen. You will be richly rewarded. I think it's worth noting that I did kind of tally, like, as we were going along, of, like, the same point structure I did last year or two years ago, where, like, first, you know, if, you're, if you gave it an, if you gave it your first place, you get ten points. If you gave it a tenth place, you get, like, one point. Which doesn't, it completely, doesn't completely work. Doesn't really work except in 11, 12 doesn't doesn't factor in, um, and then like one person giving something a really high rating undoes like a bunch of lower ones. But anyway, with all that noted, <laughs> last night in Soho was our number one movie, uh, yay, with the uh, twenty four points, uh, followed by Psycho Gorman. Unless you take off some points, because Tony's dislike. But in Midnight Mass coming in after that, oh, outlets, well, West Side Story, and then Midnight Mass. Uh, but Midnight Mass, as we noted, would have been on their list if we if they included them. So we that. Last Night Soho and Midnight Mass are two number are two big ones this year. I guess. And our hatred of old would be the lower or Liquor's <laughs> <laughs> <Liberty> Pizza. Halloween <laughs> <laughs> kills. I guess I would just say Paul Thomas Anderson, you've done it again. <laughs> <laughs> now what's funny is this one's actually made by the one who made the Resident Evil movies. <laughs> <laughs> Resident Evil, the new Resident Evil is not good. But anyway, that's besides the point. So I've heard. Uh, so thank you everyone step. for listening for for so many hours. If you did, we so thank you. Many hours. Uh, <laughs> because if Bob you, is not going to edit this. Especially, in any way, especially if you stop and, and watch the movies you haven't seen, like like some people do, like myself, um, which makes it a long time to watch listen to some podcast podcasts. Uh, so I'm Bob signing off here. Cody. Kim. Tony. All right. Thank you and uh, like, comment, subscribe, all that jazz, all that shit. Was to say. All right. See you guys next time.